Broadcasting delayed from our quarantine bunkers deep in the flyover states, we review WWE's No Way Out 2009. This is the Golden Age of Grappling Podcast. Welcome to the show. This is the Golden Age of Grappling Podcast, episode 259. I'm DP. And I'm Tony G. DP, this week for the people, we went back to 2009 for some February fun. It's WWE's No Way Out. Yes, back when the men got two Elimination Chamber matches while the women... Well, they've been zapped from the earth in the rapture known as the PG era of WWE. <laughs> hey, they were on the pre-show. Yeah, the dark match. We'll talk more about it. But yeah, it's No Way Out from 2009 because this is a wrestling review podcast. Each week, Tony and I get together and discuss a wrestling event that we agreed to watch the week before. Kind of like the uh, Oprah's Book Club, but for wrestling nerds. For any and all information about the show, you can check out our website, goldenagepodcast.com. And if you want to email us, goldenagegrappling at gmail.com. But I still haven't checked it because I don't think I can get into the account right now. I have to figure out the password. Apologies on that. Get it, get at right. us on Twitter instead or Facebook. Just suggest that. How about that? <laughs> there you go. All right. Yeah. So WWE 2009. You know, the, some some dark days for the company. We, we kind of discussed as we were watching the show, and you know, really thought when you think about it, it's the bash in 2008. To the pipe bomb might be <laughs> the worst run in the company's history. I mean, that's kind of a long time. There's there's some minor bright spots within there, but overall, <laughs> yeah. Especially when it's just like this show specifically, and I think it, it gets a little better towards the end of the like right before the pipe bomb thing. Like, there's some stuff that's going on good before then. Punk right. just you know lost it and, and was sick of the big thing. But sure, as far as the show that like. Man, like I feel like they hit that big switch in 2008, right? And they went to PG, and and they're still trying to find their footing in the PG world. And it is oh, yeah. so obvious that they just like, like what what are we doing here, man? You had sent it to me, and I mean I don't want to get anybody any of you down on what you're about to listen to because we're gonna have a lot of fun talking about this. But you're just <laughs> like, this is boring, and it's like you're. It's like I just started thinking the same thing. Like the matches aren't necessarily bad. No, you know all of them. Like. Things aren't necessarily uninteresting. It's just all very blah. You know, like just yeah. the characters are all kind of blah. The storylines are, you know what I mean? Like there's just, yeah. like you said, they're kind of trying to find their way. They're still trying to figure out how to be PG and have some level of an edge at the same time. And it's, yeah, it's all over the place. Yeah, but before we can actually dive back into all of that in the world that was 2009 WWE, we have to talk a little bit about the world that was 2021. So let's uh, get a taste in the Sid Vicious Dishes. Yeah, with that board, with this look on my face, it was something that was given to me because of people like you. See, he's going to stereotype me. It's the big dumb guy. Sid 
all the skeptics and all the people have a little bit. Let me do this again. Oh, it's live, Hal. Sorry. All right, Tony, we are live. What do we got this week? This week, DP, we are going to take a look at Edge's Big Adventure. (laughs) The Royal Rumble champion took himself across the three brands of the WWE universe. I mean, and, uh, we didn't we chose this this show before we knew Edge was winning the Royal Rumble, right? Yeah. Have you seen that already? Yeah. No, yeah, no, yeah. I think yeah, we didn't know. Yeah, I don't think we knew. I just thought it was interesting. Yeah, it's just interesting, so. yeah, that all this Edge stuff has timed out right. so so well. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, so I figured why not, you know, discuss the um the returning Edge here and his Visit to the champions of each show. He went kingdom to kingdom and, you know, <laughs> let his uh, intentions somewhat be known. Um, first stop was in Scotland with Drew McIntyre, um, who came out to tell us how awesome the Royal Rumble was because he's uninteresting. Dude, Drew um, McIntyre the- is just such a big fan of WWE, man. This is awesome. Just love it. This is so cool. I so cool, it. man. It's like you're the champion. <laughs> Jesus. And thankfully, Edge came out. And basically voiced kind of our feelings. Um, you know, talked about how he could challenge for his title. And then he was, he like went into pissed off mode and was like upset that McIntyre was being so nice to him. Mm-hmm. I'm yeah. like, I'm drawing a blank on the movie that comes to mind where it's like, you know, stop saying sorry. You know, or like stop, stop being so nice to me. Like, oh, I'm sorry. You know, like you just, <laughs> it's like, no, we're trying to get you to be mad, Drew. Um, so yeah, Edge is basically like, God, man, like this is your show. You know, you know, we should be pissed off. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Seamus came out and kind of ruined everything. Um, Edge would warn Drew about trusting Seamus. And Edge would say, no matter who he chooses, he's walking out of Mania as champion. Edge would then leave the ring. And what do you know? Seamus attacked Drew McIntyre from behind. Bum, so, bum, bum. This really strong bond they've tried to establish in like three weeks has come to a head. And now... <laughs> Have his friend in the back. Oh. No, this is not bad. Like I said, we've we've been watching this thing coming. Yeah. You know, it, now, uh, my question to you is: Is this his mania thing, or is this his stepping stone to mania thing? I don't know. We there is a fast lane. Yeah. Like they are doing fast lane. Are they doing so a roadblock? Oh God. So somebody's going to fight somebody before mania. So I yeah. don't know. Um, just based on how long they've kind of been doing this. Or is there elimination chamber still to come? I don't know if they're going to do the chamber, but yeah, they'll be, I don't know. You know, they did make a all elimination chambers, like folder on the front page. Yeah. That's why I feel like there's one coming, but (laughs) they haven't necessarily said anything about it, but uh, no, you're probably right. So I don't know. Listen, could these guys have a match at mania? Yes. You know what? I care. Eh, You know, yeah. We could Drew get a win, another win at mania. I guess I'd be happiest about, Mm -hmm. but until, until Seamus wins and becomes champion for life. (laughs) Uh, whatever. It could be worse. Um, also on Raw, as we're speaking on Edge's um thing, you know, happenings. Wouldn't you know he had a match with Randy Orton in the main event on Raw? Because yeah, boy, yeah, they yeah. love rematches. And uh, Alexa Bliss showed up, and I think like <laughs> cried blood or something, and she, like, then spit Edge- it out of her mouth. Oh yeah, she spit it from her mouth, and then Edge beat Orton. Like yep. Whatever. Edge is probably like, I am definitely not going back to Raw. Like, it is no way is it going to be Drew McIntyre. Like, I'm not dealing with that Alexa Bliss shit and Randy Orton's there. So the constant threat on, you know, his existence is pretty much always there. 
Yeah, no, that's 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 a good idea. I I would be totally up for just Edge never showing up on Raw again. Yeah, just yeah, just I'd be a SmackDown and an NXT guy. I'm ruling Raw out. We move now to the yellow and black brand. Um, where our first sight of Edge was an outstanding segment, a silent segment for that. We see Edge and Regal having a con- uh, at one point. Edge would bend down and grab the brass knuckles off of Regal's desk, and immediately I was like, "Ah oh, man, WrestleMania." Intercontinental title match, you know, Regal <laughs> using the brass knuckles on Edge, and Edge like motioned towards his head, and yeah, he said like, he's got a scar from it. Yeah, I got a scar from it. So I don't know. I just thought that was funny, and those two, of course, out of out of many people, were able to tell a story without us being able to hear a word they were saying. Oh yeah, no, those guys are great, and I always like Regal, and so that was fun to see that interaction. I, I just love this idea of Edge coming like. Maybe not coming back and declaring that he's going after that title for WrestleMania, but I just want him right. coming back and just being like, I'm going to fucking make you matter or whatever, and you're going to wrestle right. me or something. I'm going to yeah. fuck around with Regal. No, this, is, this is kind of what we got robbed of as from Edge, really, of what we could have maybe seen Edge, in 2020. So whereas Triple H is the backstage Regal, and right. Edge can be the backstage or the, can be the on-screen HBK. Like he can just be the guy that's just <laughs> hanging out, like trying to get involved with and make storylines better and matches better. And yeah, no, yeah. I think no, I think it'd be great to have him around. Like I said, if he hadn't gotten hurt fighting Randy Orton for three hours at WrestleMania <laughs> last year, yeah, you know, we would have probably gotten to see a little bit of this throughout 2020. So I'm excited about that. But we have to move to the business at hand. Pete Dunn, the bruiserweight, comes out with the t- NXT Tag Team Champions, Oni Lorcan and Danny Birch. Pete's, you know, he's done waiting. He wants to be champion, blah, blah, blah. It's like, well, why'd you take that Pat McAfee detour then? That was a big <laughs> waste of your time. Um, here comes the NXT champion, the Prince, Finn Balor. Um, he asks, why is he still hiding behind Birch and Lorcan? You know, kind of much face me one-on-one kind of a deal. Dunn obliges and clears the ring, and Finn enters. Uh, Dunn says his first, you know, says first chance he gets, he's taking that belt. Finn's like, why wait? I'll fight you a takeover for it. Like just that, that yeah. simple. Great stuff. Here comes Edge entering the NXT, entering an NXT arena for the first time. Um, Edge talks about the hunger and the passion he sees in NXT, you know, and how it, you know, NXT is in fact what helped him, him find his passion again. Yeah. And seeing all the hard work from these young men and women. Which, if um, you listen to his podcast, is true. Oh, like, yeah. He was watching Absolutely. NXT and talking about how great everything was on there, and like he kept bringing yeah. NXT guys on the show to interview them and stuff, and like it was it was clear that he was really enjoying watching that stuff. Yeah, absolutely. So it's cool to hear him say that to these guys' face. He calls Dunn the future. I love the little moment when he calls Dunn the future, and Pete Dunn had that like sneer on his face, and he just like shrugged his shoulders, mm-hmm. and Ed is just like, you know what, man. Ten years ago, I would have shrugged my shoulders if somebody saying that to me. <laughs> uh, then he talks about how Finn. Did you mean twenty years ago, op- Edge? You mean twenty years? Yeah, ago? Yeah, <laughs> it might have been twenty. Uh, he tells Finn that he's operating on a whole other level, you know, and that he mm-hmm. is, you know, the best in the game. Uh, and then tells both men that he'll be watching Takeover because he's never had that title before, pointing at the championship belt on Finn Balor's shoulder. So, yeah. Awesome stuff there, like I, like you were saying about him and you know the possible role he could play. I mean, just in that moment right there, he sold this title match, in my opinion. Yeah, like yep. him, his excitement and his passion for the you know for what these two are capable of and what they represent, you know, sells me on wanting to see this title match. You know, and yeah, for sure. I don't think it's likely, but 
you know, uh, until he was on SmackDown, I was the most excited about him possibly fighting for the NXT title. You know, I don't think that will happen. Yeah. Even though last year they tried to put it on the same level, having Charlotte do it. But, mm-hmm. I, you know, I just I don't I don't see that happening. So anyways, a really solid, awesome stuff there from Edge um, on NXT. We also got to see him <clears throat> speaking with Bronson Reed. Yeah. Those two sharing pleasantries. He then walked out into the parking lot. And the guy, they had to come up with like a fake question to ask him for what was happening next. But I was just like so annoyed. That, oh, so uh, Edge, have, have you made your final decision? Are Are you serious? Like I was like, are you, that's the question you ask him as he's leaving the building? Like, Doesn't he say like anyways. even if I had, I wouldn't tell you? Right, he did. Yeah. He's, anyways, this was all just to get him to stop in the parking lot, and he and Karrion Cross would have a face to face confrontation. Um, Cross tells him he has a big decision to make and hopes he chooses wisely. Says it doesn't matter though because it won't be Balor or Dunn. It will be carrying Cross as champion. Um, Edge says that sounds threatening and that just might motivate him to come back here and you might not like that. So, yeah. Both men being very passive aggressive towards one another. <laughs> That's true, but I, I thought that this was well done and I thought, you oh, know, yeah. Just oh. having Edge just be, you know, kind of real quick about it and then mm-hmm. moving, like, because the camera's just like, all right. Pan away. Yeah. <laughs> no, because it's also the kind of thing that they don't have to come back to for mm-hmm. a year if they want to. Like, yeah. if this ever happens, when it happens, you'll, they'll be able to show this as the night that it began. You know? Yeah, for sure. So, and, you know, whatever. Planting little seeds. People forget seeds? about them. Sometimes they come back. Planting them seeds. I like it. Um, then it was finally time for him to end his cross-country travel. I don't know if it's cross-country. Anyway. Um, SmackDown. No, they're all in the same like building almost. Right. Which for me, I associate Edge with SmackDown. Of course. That, yeah. That's just me. I don't know. Edge is blue brand. Edge and Undertaker, like Edge, Undertaker, and Batista ran the show over there, right. man. But I mean, Rated R was a lot of Raw with him and Lita, and you yeah. know, yeah, he, he had a little run there. But then it was just like once it became clear that like, well, we can't have him feud with Cena forever. Right. <laughs> they were like, all right, right, switch him over. Get out of here. Anyways, out is the tribal chief, the head of the table, the universal champion, I think. I get those mixed up. Roman Reigns, along with Paul Heyman and Jey Uso. Uh, Roman comes to the ring and is, of course, offended and greatly upset that Edge would consider any other title besides his (laughs) uh, because he's the main event. Roman, I just love how Roman bosses Paul around and how nervous Paul is at all times. Yeah. Uh, Roman tells Paul, get Edge out here. You know, he wants Edge to come to the <laughs> ring and, you know, talk to him. You know, he's upset about being sent to the ring before him because he also takes that as, as a disrespect. Like, why uh-huh. am I out here before Edge? Paul motions to get Edge out here. And then just again, you just have to watch Paul and his like Squirm. physical acting where he's just, and he's glancing and he isn't coming. <laughs> and he like, goes over there and talks to the guy on the microphone. And he comes back and he's sweating and he's nervous. And he, uh, Edge apparently isn't here yet. Ah, so, okay. Edge doesn't come out, and now Roman's really pissed. And he asks, you know, why would you play games with me? And he wants Edge's decision by the end of the night. So, All right. Tribal Chief is not happy about this. So, at the end of the show, here comes the Rated R Superstar Edge to make his big decision. Um, he talks about how everyone has a different suggestion for him. Family members, some guy named John that he met outside the building. Everyone says something different to him. Um, but this is his decision to make. And then, boom, here comes Roman Reigns. 
Uh, Edge wonders why he brought his whole crew, you know, and says, you know, he's already in Roman's head, obviously, that he would need to have Jay and Paul out there. And so Roman, of course, is pissed off and he tells Jay and, Ro- <laughs> and Paul to get out of the ring. And he's been, you know, he's been embarrassed. Yeah. Uh, Roman, and now Roman wants Edge to acknowledge him as the champion of choice, as the tribal chief, as the head of the table. <laughs> Call me the head he of the wants, table. He wants Edge to say his name. And Edge just kind of blankly stares there and he's, you know, quiet. Edge and then, should just go Heisenberg. <laughs> right. And then, boom, out of nowhere from behind, Kevin Owens attacks Roman Reigns. He hits a stunner and oh, leaves sure. the ring. And then Edge just kind of stood there and looked at Roman and slowly left the ring without saying anything and walked out. So Damn. Yeah. So, I don't so know, we good move stuff, along. Like I said, still no decision. Like, like I said, the moment with Edge and Roman was great. Roman's just so intense in this heel role. Yeah. He really does do it so well. Um, and Edge was really good. I love Owens, too, but I'm just like, at this point, I'm like, I'm, I'm done. Like, how many times do I have to watch Roman Reigns beat Kevin Owens yeah. in, like, a big pay-per-view match? Yeah. Like, he's not going to beat him. Like, I, I just, I love it. I love Kevin Owens, but <laughs> how many times is this going to have to happen, man? Like, Ugh. and not only will he not beat him, it'll end really badly for him, probably. Probably. You're probably not wrong there. <laughs> but anyway, this is about Edge, and so, yeah, I thought, um... You know, I thought it was a really, you know, good week as far as it goes. I because, just, you know, him showing up on all the shows. Yeah. My big hope is that he can get through whatever this next thing that he's building towards and not be injured again. Like that, as long as he can uh, not get injured again, like if he gets injured again, then it's like, stop coming back, dude. Like, I, oh yeah. Like there's, 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 well, there's a certain level where it's just like, it's not worth it anymore, man. No, you're right. No, I mean, yeah, any other major setbacks and that'll probably, probably be it. So. But yeah, no, I'm enjoying it while it's here, and it was a lot of fun this week watching him, especially on NXT. I really, really liked him on there. Yeah, now that was great. Uh, you know, that's obviously something that I'd like to see more of. I don't know that we will, but hey, you never know. Yeah. So that's the world of now. But now it's time for some time travel, and thanks to the magic of the internet and this auditory medium, I can tell you that Tony and I are about to jump into the world's largest, most ornate, rigid but sleek, brown but sturdy cardboard box and Calvin our way back to 2009 with the four things. Four! The four things time capsule. The four things are... Number one. On February 1st, Super Bowl XLIII at Raymond James Stadium in Tampa Bay, Florida took place because they don't get enough goddamn Super Bowls in this world. <laughs> Right, yeah. Uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers beat the Arizona Cardinals twenty-seven to twenty-three. Your MVP was Santonio Holmes of Pittsburgh, and the halftime featured Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band with the Miami Horns and a gospel choir. <laughs> yeah, they didn't usually quite do the all-star ensembles like they would go on to do in later years. <laughs> it was just Bruce, um, yeah, who had quite a controversial ad during this year's Super Bowl. You might say, but yeah, I heard I heard some some. People oh, talking about that middle. one. I, didn't, I haven't watched it yet, but. Uh, but yeah, that Super Bowl was also heartbreaking because that was the Super Bowl where I think it was Larry Fitzgerald that caught like a bomb touchdown just before like uh, Pittsburgh would go down the field and then uh. San Antonio Holmes would catch that like <laughs> pirouette touchdown in the corner of the end zone. Yeah. So 
And then you had the James Harrison, like, 99-yard fumble recovery or whatever it was. So Good grief. Yeah, that was, that was a tough one, man. I thought the Cardinals were going to win it. Number two, on February 8th, singer Rihanna canceled her appearance at the Grammys because she had been assaulted by her boyfriend, Chris Brown. Yeah, that Chris Brown, the guy that still somehow gets to be a celebrity because yeah. people are fucking terrible. Yeah, you know, just and also the fact that his victim is one of the biggest stars in music. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Y- you know, you would have thought there'd have been no tolerance for. Sadly, because of that, you would have thought there'd been no tolerance. I, yeah, I don't. We don't need to go into it. Yeah, that none of that makes any sense to me or his continued status. Yeah, so that that had just happened. Uh, number three, taking a look at the films releasing in American cinemas in the lead up to the event, we start off on January thirtieth, when New in Town, not the John Mulaney special, the <laughs> Zellweger and Harry Connick Jr. rom com film released, making forty nine million dollars. But yeah, that's just that's about the end of her though. Wasn't because that was probably she was still probably feeding off some of that Bridget Jones diary probably momentum. Yeah, taking that on was the movie The Uninvited with uh, Elizabeth Banks. Have you seen The Uninvited, Tony? Yeah, it's. I feel like I enjoyed it watching it, but it's not one that I've ever really thought about since. Like once no, I watched it, the trailer it, today, I was like, "Oh yeah, I remember liking that movie," but I don't own it, and I've not even realized that it was available or, until today. Right. Exactly. Yeah. It. It's good. Not great. <laughs> February 6th this was a big one uh, this week was kind of crazy here he's just not in that into you came out making 209 million dollars I've never seen it um, right the Pink Panther 2 came out made 78 million dollars Coraline came out made 192 million dollars also push released making 70 million dollars that terrible Sony sci-fi movie with Chris Evans in it. Um, oh yeah, oh yeah, I remember. And then Fanboys released, making six point three million dollars. So not nearly as much, but just that fucking five movies that I remember every single one of these when they came out. Yeah, Fanboys, of course, coming coming out. You know, came out what five years after its original release intended release date. I think that was the case. Yeah, but yeah, it was it, it, was, uh, it was kind of a nice little surprise that it was just like, oh, some of these people have gone on to become bigger stars now. Oh yeah, no, definitely. I yeah, remember all those. What's her name? Who's who's the late the lady that's in Fanboys? Married to Dax Shepard now, in good the Good Place. Oh, Main Kristen stuff. Bell. Yes, Kristen Bell. Yeah, that's what I was thinking of. Um, yeah, I just I remember like when this movie came when I first saw Fanboys, being like, "Wow, Kristen Bell's in this movie!" Like I, that's the person that I know of. But, <laughs> right. Uh, anyways, February thirteenth, Confessions of a Shopaholic, starring Isla Fisher, came out making one hundred twenty-seven million dollars. Also, Friday the Thirteenth, the remake. Came out making a hundred million dollars. Oh, God, yeah, another Michael Bay shitting all over a classic horror <laughs> franchise. Now, number- I go no. ahead. Okay, I probably shouldn't. Number four, taking a look at the world of I music. I hate that movie so damn much. Oh, yeah. I hate no, every character in that movie. It's terrible. It's it's it's. I wish that I wanted like at least the Friday the third the the Nightmare on Elm Street remake to be good, so that way I could be like at least this one was good. But neither of them were any good. But yeah, this one's really bad. Friday the Thirteenth's terrible. Um, yes. number four, taking a look at the world of music. Holy cow! Like I've I've heard so many Kelly Clarkson songs, Tony. I, I feel like I've heard so many of her songs on the radio over the last twenty to thirty years. Well, when you're sure, wildly successful, that happens. I'm sure you've not been able to avoid at least hearing Kelly Clarkson. I'm, I'm guessing you don't go out of your way to hear it, but it's got to be, you know, just she's all over the culture, right? Sure. This is not a song that I, I know of. 
This okay. I don't remember this song. I don't know how it got to number one. I don't think it's very good. Uh, forewarning, I'm going to play a minute-long clip of this because I want you, the listener, to hear it's like super basic guitar intro that feels like Jimmy Hart tried to rip off Since You've Been Gone. Going into the beginning lyrics, what are just super basic up-and-down singing structure. They can't even land the rhyme at the end of the first line before they go to the chorus. And the chorus is so goddamn forgettable. I don't know where this song came from. Apparently, it came out and was number one like immediately. Um, but it's called My Life Would Suck Without You. So, interesting bit of information <laughs> about that song. Okay. It moved to number one in its second week on the Billboard Hot 100. Yeah. When it moved up the charts 96 places from 97 to one. Yeah. That's the record. Yeah. It, it's, it's the record. Apparently, like, it was written by Dr. Luke and Clarkson also wrote it, but wouldn't put her name on it because she didn't want to be associated with Dr. Luke at the time. Yeah, I don't know enough about like the world of pop music producing, but I'm guessing he's probably a douchebag or something. Yeah, he's he's a big douchebag. But yeah, this <laughs> okay. is also her first hit that would hit number one in the United Kingdom. It hit number one in Canada and Hungary. Uh, but because it got number one in the UK, she's the first American Idol star to ever get a number one in the UK. No one wow. had done that up until this point. Wow, but, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, so I didn't realize that this song was huge, apparently, but I do not remember it whatsoever. And I was listening to I was like, how did this song get so big? It seems terrible. It's, nah, like a, rip well, off, you know, it's just, a rip-off of all of her earlier songs. Right, no, it definitely sounds like everything else. Agrees. But no, yeah, whatever, pleasant <laughs> song. She's, she's a pleasant lady. So. Uh, so that sets the table for the world that was the night of February 15th of 2009, when 11,200 fans packed into the Key Arena in Seattle, Washington for No Way Out. A show promising two Elimination Chamber matches. According to the Wikipedia, the show sold 272,000 pay-per-view buys. It was down from 2008's figure of 329,000. Right, yeah. We promised you two Elimination Chamber matches. We didn't say they'd be good. <laughs> no, not not necessarily. But uh, also, yeah, I wrote all my pre-show notes and stuff before I'd viewed the show. So I have a lot of complaints during the show about, like, where are the women at on the show? What happened to their right. division? Did they have a match? And this is right. where I learned as I was putting my notes together that Melina and Beth Phoenix fought for the WWE Women's Championship in a dark match. Uh-huh. Yeah. So You want to know another you want to know a messed up Beth Phoenix fact just as you mentioned her that I saw this past week? Beth What's Phoenix that? 
has never had a singles match at WrestleMania. Oh, really? Yeah. That's insane. Like, it's just crazy that, like... She's a Hall of Famer. Yeah. She's never had a singles match for the title <laughs> at WrestleMania. Goodness. Uh, so, yeah. Um, anything else before we actually jump into the show, Tony, that you can think of or that you wanted to make mention of? Well, I mean, no, just, I mean, like, just piggybacking kind of on that, you know, the situation of the women's division. I mean, this is probably about its lowest point before it would at least start to yeah. begin. There'd be a slight tick up with the AJ Lees and some of those of the world that would come along in a year or so. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, this is, whew, this has got to be probably the, about the bottom of the barrel. As far as just not saying from a talent or ability standpoint, but from just a complete lack of interest. Yeah, as and a lack booking. of them like put yeah caring to put anything together for them like just terrible. I mean, just ridiculous, really. And I, <laughs> I like, blame it on them not realize. Like I, I honestly feel like they went to PG. They're like, well, right. what do we do with? We can't treat the women characters the way we have for all these years, right? And then it was just like. You know, they kind of just pull them off the card for a while a little bit and like do them in the background and like have these kind of storylines around, but not really all that interesting. But no, you're right. That's exactly what happened. They couldn't put them in bra and panties and pillow fight matches anymore. (laughs) And they were just like, well, I don't know what to do with them. I don't, you know, until someone was like, "Uh, you know, they could wrestle. We could just have them go out there and wrestle against each other, you know? Yeah. like a few years before that, apparently got through to any of them. But I kind of remember like Beth Phoenix being like this big turning point when like she was arriving. Like I remember people talking yeah. about her when she was in oh, OVW yeah. before right, she got yeah. there and being excited about her coming in because this is a woman that can actually wrestle and do good mm-hmm. moves and stuff and like have a match versus what yep. we had been seeing in the WWF up until that point or WWE. Yeah, absolutely. One of the biggest problems with Beth Phoenix and why I think so many people kind of underestimate her career is. Her lack of competition, yeah, was really what a lot of her problem was. So mm-hmm. that's why I mean, Melina is one of the few that she could like, you know, do something with at least at the yeah. time. Um, True, but yeah. So this match or this show begins with a very dramatic telling of oh. the fire of vengeance that rose in Shane McMahon after the legend killer Randy Orton punted Pop Pop. I will say. I don't care about Shane McMahon all that much, but the story—it's it's a fairly well done story. Um, that it is, but get- they keep putting the McMahon family in the babyface roles, and it never feels like it works to me fully. Well, that was no, this, that was one of the big problems of this era. They did that with the McMahon family a lot around this time. Yeah, you know. Um, but now I'll go into all the details and the background of the Shane and Randy stuff. I guess when we get to that match, but yeah, it's. It's a decently well-told story that would lead to one of the biggest disappointments of a main event in WrestleMania history. So, And our next big storyline is JBL having Shawn Michaels put his life of servitude on the line in a match. I just, I love that <laughs> he ha- he's in this position because he's financially, like, strapped. Yeah, they he's short, they he ever... shorted GameStop stock, and now he doesn't yep. have any money. Yeah, they don't ever say why he's broke, how he's broke. <laughs> no, the announcers, it, it, they do say at one point, bad investments, but that is oh, it. That is the oh, most in, that okay. we ever hear. But it's like you still re- taking, you're still receiving a salary for your wrestling services, though. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And if you're Shawn Michaels, I don't, you know, I'm, I bet you're doing pretty well, even if you were like... You know, even if your savings was gone, like mm-hmm. you're still making a lot of money. 
They should have had they should have had Sean like when they were talking about how he got broke. It should have been that he tried to make like Sean Michaels pasta mania, and then like it just didn't right. do well. <laughs> oh, that'd be great. But yeah, JBL specifically hired Sean to make sure he's world champion by WrestleMania. So yeah, that didn't happen though, and now they're fighting <laughs> for and his he, freedom. And he has which, to bring his wife along so that way she can see that what a broken old man her husband's become. <laughs> I just, I also just love that. Like, like I'm going to let you fight. Why would JBL offer this matchup? It is weird. Yeah, it is weird. It's th- this whole thing is so like it just it stretches the limits of like the fucking soap operaness of the show. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah, Freddie Prince Jr. is probably the blame for this. But it like the weird thing about this is we get these very dramatic like two storylines, and then there's right. this hard cut where they're just like. And then there's the Elimination Chamber matches. We don't have stories for these. And then it's like play music, and there's just like highlights of like guys getting hit with each other, like, you know, big moves. You are, you're watching a show because it has two chamber matches. Guess yeah. what? They don't give a shit about either one of them. Like, there's <laughs> apparently no reason for you to watch either one of these matches. <laughs> it's just fucking saliva's playing. We're going to the fucking open. Um, yep. But yeah, we... <sighs> Yeah, we go to the arena where tons of pyro goes off. The crowd stands to their feet and raises a pretty impressive number of signs. Like, this isn't Attitude Era level, but it's uh, way more than today. Well, Seattle's today. one of those, like, real. Seattle's one of those great, like, fan bases, too. Though. True. That's one of the, it's, one of, it's one of the cities that they don't get it every mm-hmm. other month, you know, and so it's They kind come of out when it's, when it's there. Right. Yeah, so. so match number one gets started, like, right away, though. We're just like, we're here. True. We're going to have these these things just start, so let's go to match number one. It's the WWE Championship Elimination Chamber match. Your first challenger is The Undertaker. He gets into one pod. Then another man comes out for the other pod, The Big Show. Then we get Vladimir Kozlov. Then Triple H. So all these big, giant bodies in the pods. And then here comes Jeff Hardy. And then he's going to take on the champion, Edge. So Edge's champion has pulled the short straw and has to fight from the beginning of this match. Yeah, uh, and this title, like, how could anyone give a shit about the WWE title between late 2008 and 2009 here? This belt has changed hands on pay-per-view, I think, like, every month for the last four or five (laughs) pay-per-views. Edge just won it at the Rumble from Jeff Hardy. Okay. Jeff Hardy had just miraculously finally beat Triple H for it, well, in a triple threat match that also included Edge, because Triple H ain't taking the pinfall. Of course. So, So he had... Edge beat Jeff. Jeff had won the triple threat match. And then the month before that, I think uh, Triple H had beaten Edge for it or something like that. Like, gotcha. It was just back and forth, back and forth. It was just, I couldn't believe how frequently it had you know, been if, changing hands. So. Well, like, that's one of the things that I wanted to point out about this show. Because, like, by the end of it, they're, like, they're throwing out numbers that seem like, is it this, at this point, are they just considering the WWE Championship and the Heavyweight Championship the same as far as terms yes. of number of championships yeah. by, a, by a champion? That's why they always say, like, World Championship reigns. Yeah. Because, like, yeah, because they're already talking, like, 13 for Edge and, like, yeah. 15th or 17th for Triple H. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. Edge, because that's what's wild about Edge here. You're like, it's only 2009. He's about done with his title reigns, though, because he only ended up with, like, what, 12? I I'm think, not sure. Like- I don't know I, his yeah, full, just, final number. Yeah. But, so. yeah, it was, just, it was just odd to me that they were combining the two the two reigns. Like, there's two lineages here, and each guy has won each one multiple times. Like, just say the number that they've won that championship, but no. Right. Yeah, we got Justin Roberts doing the ring announcing here at this time. 
Um, and who do we have on the announcement? Jim Ross and Taz. Yeah, because this is that weird point where they've just now like recently swapped King and Jim Ross, I believe. Well, and Taz is done at this point, too. <laughs> He's so bad on this show. But then I looked it up. I looked and it was like, okay, it makes it. So Taz at this point has gone from SmackDown, you know, kind of top of the world. They started the ECW brand. He goes over there. Yeah. They took that thing into the toilet. Foley just left is what happened. Okay. Foley just walked out. And so when Foley left, they brought Taz from ECW and put him with Jim Ross. And gotcha. He is like months away from being like in TNA. So he's, <laughs> this is just about the very end of Taz. Like he is, ends his, they're the SmackDown guys. Yes. Which is the other crazy is, part. Well, yeah, because this is also, like you said, after the whole draft thing where they didn't tell JR he was getting drafted and they sent him to SmackDown. Mm-hmm. So he's also almost done because no, he doesn't uh, take that very well. Even Michael Cole's going to be confused about what show he is hosting later on in the show. We'll we'll play that audio later on. But um, yeah, we're told Taker has only competed in one chamber match and it was last year and he won it. So, bah. yeah, I forgot about Kozlov's kind of cool Rammstein ripoff music. Like, he's terrible, but his entrance theme isn't bad. Yeah, yeah. Taz yeah, talks about, you know, the unforgiving environment of steel and hatred, and Kozlov just feels like he's at home. And I'm like, that feels a little xenophobic towards wherever Kozlov's from. Um, yeah, and Gulag. Yeah, um, Jim Ross mentions Triple H winning three chamber matches more than any other man. Dude. Um, he, he also calls Triple H Neanderthal-like, which I don't know what to think about that. <laughs> He does have the brow. Um, right. Yeah, this is the, the era of that god-awful Triple H t-shirt, where it's a gray shirt with, like, the Aldi brand tap-out graphics on the right side of it. Every time I see it in the crowd, I'm just like, oh, I remember hating that fucking Triple H t-shirt. Um, <laughs> oh, because this is babyface Triple H. It's, it's not great. There's a few amazing screens, uh, seconds of just one of these fans dancing to Jeff Hardy's music. That was a lot of fun. Um, mm-hmm. We get a lot of talk about the Lexon Pods. These Lexon pods, Tony. I hate them so much. Um, why is everybody getting in Big Show's face? It was like a thing during the entrances. Everybody would like go and put their yep. dick in Big Show's face. Yeah. With, like standing in the corner. I was just like, is there and something I don't? I must have missed? Kozlov does it, and I'm like, okay, they're trying to get over how Kozlov's right. this, un, you know, he's not intimidated. And then when Triple H does it, for some <laughs> reason, that upsets under or that upsets Big Show. Big Show didn't yeah. care when Kozlov did it. He just looked at him. <laughs> But when Triple H does it, he starts, like, punching the fucking pod. Like, yeah. he's mad. Yeah, everybody's taunting the Big Show for some reason. Um, and maybe it's his fault. But I feel like if there's, there's a few things that I would do with Elimination Chambers. One thing is the champion would enter the last. Would always enter last. So they so would always start have... the match? No, like, the champion would be... in the pod, okay. Yeah, the last one out of a pod. So that you don't have these the belt being up in the air. Yeah. And... It would be a match beyond situation. Mm-hmm. There, I you don't think there should out- be any pitfalls, or I don't think the match would be able to end until everybody's in the ring. Well, then you would like the way that you're describing it. I feel okay. So okay, so you're saying that like nobody gets eliminated until everyone's in the match, right? Yes. Okay. Because see, because when you're first describing it with just if you just give the champion the advantage of coming out last, I'm like, well, now the entire elimination chamber is in his advantage because he right. gets to fight the most tired wrestler. That is still around. <laughs> I mean, no champion's advantage. But the idea of the elimination chamber is to not give a champion the advantage, and that's the whole True. thing. Like this was a big, like you know, it was if that was a bad, you know, power source could go up against the babyface champion and give him a big right. challenge right before Mania. 
Yeah. Also, is this the Jeff Hardy music that everybody's always so excited about them bringing back? Yeah. Yeah, this is the one that they want them to bring back. This is terrible. <laughs> it's like, not great. I was immediately I mean, it's just not, like... It's not as bad as his TNA music, but it's not great. Honestly, his TNA music, the more that I can tell it's Jeff singing the song, the more I like it. <laughs> all right, all right. Uh, yeah, we're explained that this is going to be five-minute intervals, which immediately I was just like, that feels so... Like, coming right off the row, Rumble straight into this. is like, that feels five so minutes. long. Like, that... It's so much time. Dude, uh, and it is, too. Yeah, the fans are chanting for Hardy as Edge takes control right away. He delivers a crossbody to Jeff, who's leaning on the second rope. It was kind of an interesting move. I like that. Uh, Big yeah. Show enjoys the loud sound of his slapping the chamber, and Edge mocks him and does his like yelling taunt at him. Uh, Hardy, though, counters in the corner. It's a head scissors. We get a big pop for that. He hits the drop kick to the nads and plays to the crowd, and then hits the twist of fate on Edge. But he misses the swanton, and Edge charges for the spear. Hardy turns it into a roll-up, and he pins Edge, and he's gone. And yeah. your champion has been eliminated, and the fans lose it, dude. Like, they go nuts. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, they're excited with the idea of Jeff possibly winning this match. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know. Edge is in shock and uh, is very distraught as he leaves the ring. And uh, I, was, I literally was watching this match, and they are doing the lights, I just kept going, anybody but Kozlov, anybody but Kozlov, anybody yep. but Kozlov, and bah, Vladimir Kozlov. I'm like, why <laughs> would you kill this? Because it's literally what they do. They take uh, this crowd from the highest of highs with Jeff Penn and Edge, and then the whole building, the air just goes out of it when Kozlov pod opens up. Yep. And it's just silence. Because he just begins mauling Hardy with boots and yeah. shoulders to the ribs and all those you know fun no fun moves. And he is like, if uh, if you made like an evil robot of Lance Storm, like an, a robot <laughs> army yes. of Lance Storms, like it'd be yes. Vladimir Kozlov. Yeah. And he's so just nothing he does looks terrible, but nothing looks good. And I'm not saying that about Lance. I'm saying that's more yeah. of a looks thing. For no, Lance. no, and, great in the ring. Well, but the Kozlov just. Everything he does just doesn't quite look right. The headbutts to the chest, I'm oh. not a fan of at all. No. Um, yeah, because he just starts like throwing his head into the chest of Jeff Hardy. <sighs> it's ridiculous. You know, you're right. Nothing looks great from this no. man. Well, and he's just awkward, and you can tell he's green, and mm. you literally like gasp every time he picks somebody up. Um, he just does like overhead throws as well. Yeah, like there's no him. like actual move. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, hits, yeah, delivers knees. He hits a fallaway slam on Jeff for a two count. He hits a backbreaker for another two and then puts a bear hug on Lay down Jeff. bear hug, my favorite. A lay down, yeah, the lay down <laughs> bear hug. Uh, and just just as Taz is trying to explain how this move makes it very difficult to breathe, we switch camera angles where it's revealed that Kozlov is basically hugging the ass and hips of Jeff Hardy. <laughs> and yeah. It's like that's not hurting his breathing at all, but okay. Oh, yeah. Uh, Jeff would kind of fire up. It was quickly dropped with a shoulder tackle. Um, in my notes here, I'm just like, how long is it between entrances? I was so sick of watching this already. <laughs> Jeff with a drop kick, and both men are now down. Slow, boring action. Hardy hits a whisper in the wind. And then again, I was like, all right, okay. Anybody but the big show. Anybody but the big show comes <laughs> in there. <laughs> 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 big show. God, I was like, seriously? Oh. So he comes in, 
Uh, he gets all the girls excited when he rips Jeff's shirt off, throws him around. Uh, and then Kozlov with his clenched headbutts to the chest of the big show. Oh, uh, God. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like, show and Kozlov start smiling at each other as they just agree not to attack each other and they take yeah. turns hitting moves on Jeff Hardy. So, like you said, the crowd has been, like, so excited oh, that Jeff so Hardy pissed. might win this. And they're just, the WWE is just preparing them, that, like, we are not allowing this to happen. He will be. Like, there's no way psycho- psychologically that he could win this match by the end of this because he's going to take all the moves from everybody. Exactly, yeah, and he does. <laughs> um, eventually, Jeff fights back uh, a little bit, but Show drops him, and then Kozlov would take Show off of his feet, and he and Kozlov would brawl just before what was the game. Yes. What was the up with Undertaker, or not Undertaker, but Big Show being unable to suplex Kozlov? Like, Right, Big Show should be able to lift that man up. I I don't know. I have no idea. But yeah, it's game time, Tony. Game time. Oh man, the crowd goes mild as babyface Triple H enters the chamber. Uh, We take Show out with a knee buster. We get the uh, high knee on Kozlov, a spine buster on Show. It was kind of impressive. Um, In comes Hardy, who gets dropped to the clothesline. He then low bridges Kozlov to the outside of the ring. Triple H and Kozlov fight out there on the steel. He almost hits a pedigree on the outside, but the Big Show stops him for no reason at all and pulls him into the ring. <laughs> the Big Show is like protecting Kozlov for a short he period does. here, and I don't know why. He does. He does this a couple times where you're just like, why? <laughs> Please, if anybody, make sure we let Kozlov get eliminated. Like, what are you doing? Oh, Kozlov runs his own head into Alexon Pod as he was charging at the, you know, Triple H or whatever. Um, yep. side slam by show gets a two count on triple H now taker wants out of the pod, but he has like two more minutes to wait. Triple H gets a kick to the show, uh, kick show in the gut takes a chop from show. The fans are chanting for undertaker. We get a gorilla press slam by show on triple H, uh, triple H is thrown into the chains and show sandwiches him into the chains some more and then catches a diving Hardy and run him into triple H in the chains. But they both dodge show who dives into the cage wall, so we get more chain spots. But it's all in 2009, so no one's bleeding, even though for the last five years we've been conditioned to think that those chains are like goddamn razor blades. Yeah, no, literally, it's an elimination chamber match, and nobody's bleeding. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, here comes The Undertaker. Uh, the crowd finally has something to be excited well, like, about. By the time The Undertaker finally comes out, all men are down. Like It's just yes. everybody's been hit with moves, and they're laying around, and then The Undertaker comes out. Right, so he attacks the big show. He hits, and honestly, I don't know why they didn't give the guy his walking papers right after this match. That snake eyes on Kozlov. How do you <laughs> fuck up being hit with a snake eyes? You and I. Oh, wouldn't have any problem with the Undertaker picking us up and hitting the Snake Eyes maneuver on us because it's like it's not even about you. Yeah, like, just don't, just don't wiggle or like pull your body together. He right, he just made it look so awful somehow. Um, it was bad. And then Taker hit him with a big boot. Uh, Taker clotheslines Hardy and Triple H into opposite corners or in opposite corners. Runs at both men. Uh, Big Show, again, breaks up a possible double choke slam because he's just decided that anything that might happen that's cool in this match, he's against. Mm-hmm. Uh, Taker hits his leaping clothesline on the Big Show and then wrenches the arm of Triple H, and it's time for old school. Oh, okay. We all like old school. No. He instead jumps out of the ring onto the Big Show. 
Yeah. Because he was out there acting a fool. And then hit a DDT. <laughs> yeah. DDT onto the steel area. And yeah. Undertaker then, like, there's some more stuff that happens, but, like, the next thing in my note, Undertaker hits last ride on Kozlov and pins him for the elimination. So he's gone. Well, yeah, well, he did. He hit old school. After he took Big ah. Show out, he stood up and they went, and then he did it to Triple H. So Gotcha. So Kozlov's gone, though. Show tosses Hardy onto Triple H. Show grabs Hardy's foot as he's scrambled to the top of the Lexon pod to escape. So he's like pulling him down through yeah, the I, chains. Yeah. And Ross compares Show going to the top as King Kong climbing a skyscraper as he begins climbing. And Taker wants a superplex and he hits it on the big show. It is wild. Yeah, it looked good. That was pretty cool. Uh, Papa H then hits a pedigree on the show. Um, yeah, I don't know. Why don't people go for pinfalls in this match? Like he doesn't. Yeah, I don't I don't understand that. I mean, I know Hardy then hit the Swanton Bomb, but it's like, why are you guys working together? But yeah, yeah he comes off the Hardy off the top of the pod. Brutal stuff. That's the end of the big show. Yeah. Um, so we're down to Taker, Jeff Hardy, and Triple H. And Taker wants old school again, and Triple H is like, God damn it, no, and crotches him, and so Undertaker sells this very undead balls like crazy. Like, he is, he's like Hiromu fucking at right. WrestleMania, or at Wrestle yeah. Kingdom. Uh, Hardy with a dive onto Triple H on the outside as they both fall into the steel in the wall, uh, but Taker hits a tombstone on Hardy and fucking eliminates him, uh. and so the crowd... Has to deal with Undertaker and Triple H left, and it's like, all right, Undertaker, here we go. Yeah, hopefully Undertaker, right? But they stumble um, fight for a while. Yeah, yeah. And this is pre Michaels. He's had the first match with Sean at this point, maybe. Okay. So, so we haven't gotten to like the Triple H matches yet or anything like that. Yeah. So it's kind of early and all of that. Um, Undertaker hits a big boot on Triple H, beats him up in the corner. Um, Triple H, though, avoids a big boot, and Taker would go over the top rope to the outside of the ring. Uh, Hunter off the top. Taker catches him, though, and hits a choke slam, but only gets a near fall. Triple H then gets a boot up as Taker charges him in the corner. Uh, Snake eyes, though, from Undertaker, but Triple H catches him in a spine buster as he went for a big boot. So good, really, really solid back-and-forth action here. Ross tried to make us believe that a spine buster would pin the Undertaker, but it's like, no... That's not I know. That's not happening. Yeah, he's just doing his job. Uh, Triple H looks for a pedigree on the floor, or, you know, on the outside, on the steel, but Taker instead catapults him into the chain wall. Ugh. <laughs> Which just feels so, un, like, needed in this match now because, like, there's nothing. It doesn't really do much. They just no. kind of hit it, and then they go back to doing other things. Yeah. Uh, Send him into the pod wall. Yeah, there you go. But I guess they got to save that for the next match. But Taker hits a tombstone on Triple H and pins him one, two, three. Nope, nope. They play like Triple H got his uh, foot on the ropes in time. He, he didn't, but the the referee saw it. So there you go. A rope break in an elimination chamber. <laughs> I didn't think about even that part of it, but yeah. yeah. And I have in my notes here, Taz has said literally <laughs> nothing. <clears throat> Yeah, I'm, that's the thing is like I was expecting to have like audio of these guys talking and there's just like right. nothing being said really. It's just JR calling tell, moves. Yeah, you can just tell Taz is checked out at this point, man. Like he is he's got no pushback on JR. He doesn't, you know, antagonize JR at all. He doesn't really yeah. I mean he just literally is just like, "Yep. Yep. Ugh. Nope. Yeah, it's not good." 
Yeah, I'm not a big fan of this Triple H. Uh, he hits a pedigree and covers, but Taker kicks out at two. Thank goodness they rub their heads against each other for a bit as they're, you yeah. know, really stumbling back and forth to stand up. They get the big punch contest. And I'm just like, really? We're going to start a 10 punch spot? But Taker yeah. counters. Triple H counters a power bomb. Triple H hits the stupid pedigree and pins him one, two, three, your winner and WWE champion for the 13th time, Triple H. That's right. Triple H, folks. It's WrestleMania season. Got to get the belts off these transitional guys. This is what, My notes are just like, this is so lame. Like, oh, we got the belt off Edge. Better default back to Triple H before Mania. Fuck out of here. Th- and that's what this era did, man. Like, that's just what you always had to put up with. Like, it was always just back to Triple H or Cena. Uh, yeah, both men are down. We get replays from the match. Uh, Triple H and Undertaker have a stare down. And then Triple H would celebrate with his belt. And at least he didn't point at the fucking mania sign. No, but we sit in silence as the crowd doesn't cheer him and he just leaves the ring. <laughs> oh, so now we go backstage where Edge is talking to Vicky Guerrero, saying all the excuses he can think of, saying she has to restart the match over again, and she right. explodes on him. Pull my tights, pull my hair, my shoulders are up. That referee, we gotta start this match over again. Vicky, Vicky, you have the power to do this. We can, we can, we can, we can start the match over again. That's what we should do. I should be the WWE champion. We have to start it over again. What do you want me to do? This is your fault. You lost. And then he just crumbles and sits yeah. there. Well, and she's apologetic too, then. True. He's, she's, you know, upset with. She's sorry that she'd said that. In the that background is a John Cena WWE magazine cover and also the movie 12 Rounds starring John Cena on the other side. So surrounded by Cena pictures. All Cena all the time. Uh, we're in Seattle, so we have to go get the uh, obligatory fish market shot. They do it at the <laughs> NFL games, too. Uh, of you the could guys have... that throw the fish. We've seen it a hundred times. Uh, it's hilarious. I like You just said it exactly as I have it typed out in my notes here. <laughs> obligatory throwing fish spot. Yep. Watch a Seattle Seahawks home game. There'll be one shot of that as they come back from break of the oh, fish yeah. market. It's, but it's always a thing. We've changed announcers. Now we've got Michael Cole and Jerry the King Lawler from which, Raw, baby. Yeah, which rarely would I be excited about that. But, man, they are a marked improvement over Taz and JR. Yes. Yeah, they, they promote the next match program. A viper builds his legacy. A son avenges his father's pain. And we go to the video. Yeah, uh, we see... Randy recently punting Vince McMahon and then getting in the face of Stephanie. Mm-hmm. And again, I don't really remember what the origin is of why he's so upset and attacking the McMahon family, but he is. Uh, Did you catch his disorder? Around, well, that, you know what's funny about that is they ended up having to like drop this. Because of the name apologize. of it? Yeah. Well, because he's talking about his PTSD. Yeah. And how he's, you know, in the military, it's like, he went AWOL and just <laughs> left the military. Which, honestly, though, saying that that means that you can't involve that in a storyline is kind of bullshit, though, because that feels like well, the person that trying- ran away would might maybe have the most like mental issues afterwards. It would almost be it would be better for a wrestler with no military background to, in character, have something like this happen <laughs> than to have somebody that actually was a part of it. And decided he didn't want to do it anymore and went home yeah. without telling his superiors. And, you know, then was dishonorably gotcha. discharged. So. Yeah, he calls it the IED. I have I intermittent explosive disorder. Yeah. 
Yeah. And this would also this um threatened their relationship with the National Guard at the time as well. Oh, okay. So it was another reason why they had to they dropped all that. Well, he uh, says yeah. that because he has a disorder, you can't fire me. If you fire me, I'll file an injunction to stop WrestleMania. Yeah. Like he's just right. he's very, you know, you know, it's such a badass heel with his lawyers. Yeah, well, another reason why they didn't like it though, too. He was then using it as an excuse to you know, harm people. Um, yeah, he he's going to sue. He threatens be- or he begs Stephanie to fire him, uh, but she says that would be too easy. And instead, he has to drag her brother to a pay per view match. Um, <laughs> That's what I just have here. It'd be too easy. Instead, it's the return of the world's biggest superstar, Shane McMahon. Problem is, crowd went fucking nuts. <laughs> I, I went back and watched it, man. They loved it. Um, of course. Yeah, Shane is going to make sure he can't compete at Mania, which I like that. That's a good angle. You know, like, I'm mm-hmm. going to take away your Mania match. Um, he defends himself against Legacy at one point with the kendo stick. Because that's the other thing, too. Randy has Cody and Ted, you know, yeah. waiting in bushes at all times to attack. Um, Randy attacks Shane and Stephanie. Shane would block a punt attempt intended for her, his sister from Randy. Mm-hmm. So dramatic stuff there. Shane saved The Undertaker from Legacy. And hit a Van Terminator on Ted DiBiase, kind of. Um, yeah. So we then come out to one of those awkward, like, oh, we're live. Like, yeah. Randy's just, Randy's Randy's just, just staring, staring at, at you. Like, yeah. How long have you been waiting? How long have you been standing there, Randy? Well, and then he, he starts awkwardly, too. Hey, hey, Shane. Hey, right. listen up. Is Sh- Shane watching? Uh, right. Orton says Vince is probably propped up in a bed next to Linda, hoping that Shane will avenge him tonight. And then he starts saying, but that won't happen. And it's, it's just very slow, methodical Randy Orton promo. And then your father will try to turn away and close his eyes, hoping that the carnage will stop. But it will not stop. I will not stop until I have destroyed the entire McMahon family. I will make my legacy at the expense of yours. <laughs> Shit, sorry. Oh, Randy, is he still, is he still talking? Um, yeah. So here's the thing. So I talked about this earlier before we get to this match. So this is an angle where he's at war with the McMahon family. Mm-hmm. Who Who is a part of the McMahon family who is going to probably ultimately have to strike down the evil Randy Orton? <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's right. We're on our way to. Well, it's, I mean, it's 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 just you know luck would have it that Triple H is also a babyface uh, right now. So and he and he just won the. I'll I'll wait till after the match. So anyway, match number two. It's no holds barred. Randall Keith Orton taking on Shane O'Mac McMahon. Yeah, and Orton, you know, slowly walks to the ring as Cole is talking about what a disgusting human being he is, and it was so terrible what he did to Vince. And then, like, we see it. I also noticed the high def sign that was in the crowd because, you know, we've recently turned to high definition. Um, That's right. But we've got this blood feud going on. Orton's ruining this man's family. He nearly took out his yep. sister. So Shane's going to, you know, get his chance tonight. I'm so curious if he comes out dancing or if he comes right. out more somber and serious. Well, let me unpause the special. He comes yeah. out dancing. Here comes Shane, the Money McMahon. Yeah. I was a little surprised by that. Um,. I mean, he gets in the ring and he's down to business. But yeah, I was kind of expecting him <laughs> to just walk straight to the ring. Yeah. But, you know. um, he catches Randy with some of those world-famous, devastating punches. 
those those quick jabs. Uh, right there with the Undertaker is one of the best pure strikers in the history of wrestling. <laughs> um, but that's about it for Shane. Um, Orton would beat McMahon down with punches in the corner. Um, Shane would fight from his knees like 30 seconds into the match. He's already broken. Um, Shane baseball slides Randy off the apron to the floor and then pulls a table and a trash can out from underneath the ring. Mm-hmm. Uh, Randy with the uh, Orton backbreaker and slides McMahon back into the ring. He hits a back suplex and then removes the padding from a turnbuckle. Randy in complete control kicks Shane, you know, kind of mockingly and then kicks him out of the ring. Yeah. And then Shane would pull a kendo stick out from nowhere and beat the <laughs> hell out of Randy with it. Right when he has the kendo stick, we get a shot where you get to see Jim Ross watching the match and Jim Ross isn't calling the match. He's just watching. Did you see the stone faced Jim Ross just no, like, <laughs> just staring straight forward, like not, like no emotion whatsoever about what was happening in front of them. Probably not having a good night. No, probably not. So yeah, Shane hits him with the stick a whole bunch. He cracks him in the head. Orton gets opened up hard ways. He begins bleeding with the fucking monitor off the table. All right, yeah. Was that right? Was it the monitor on yeah. the table? That he did? Yeah. Okay. So Shane yeah, la- lays Orton onto the raw announcer table. He climbs up the corner for, you know, that famous video game spot where you climb the corner and jump uh-huh. onto the table. But in runs DiBiase and Blue Tista Cody Rhodes. And DiBiase holds Shane, but Shane counters and causes Rhodes to hit DiBiase with a chair. So they're taken out. Now Shane puts Cody in the corner, sets up the coast-to-coast drop kick by placing a trash can in front of him, and he hits it. So there you yep. go. Right. I did, I did enjoy Cody's... Me- face mashed into the trash can afterwards. Right. Yeah. Um, and S- Orton still is laying on the Spanish announce table. Yeah. And Shane thinks, you know what? I bet I can still climb to the top rope <laughs> and jump off the, to the Orton, even though it's been like 10 minutes. Um, that didn't happen. Randy moved and Shane would crash and burn through the announce table. Yeah. Uh, Randy would go check on his legacy teammates and would tell Ted to get Cody out of here and make sure he's okay. He would then hit the draped DDT on McMahon and get a two count. And yeah, the, they replay the coast to coast like drop kick, and it's mm-hmm. like they replay it with the like they sh- the angle they first showed it to us. We were behind fucking right. McMahon, and he's yeah. jumping away from us, and it looked great. And then they right. show the hard cam side where it looks fucking awful, like he barely touched yeah. the trash can. <laughs> and then it's like, why did you show me that? Just show me the original replay. <laughs> I- yeah, it's like, did you guys look at this before you showed it? Like, uh, I'm wondering. Um, yeah, Randy pulls the table into the ring, and he kicks Shane in the ribs a couple times, and then takes all day to set up for a superplex. Mm-hmm. But hit it through the table for a near fall. Yep. But both men are down, so this can't end the match. Um, no. Some Orton stomps. Shane kicks out on you know Randy's stomp. Somehow didn't finish him off. Uh, Shane with an awful spear that King keeps obviously calling a tackle because, you know, edges in the top of this card that we got to get through. Um, mm-hmm. Shane hits Orton when the back with a chair and then his ankle Orton sells his joints like crazy. Like he's losing his mind every time he gets hit with this chair. Orton begs off and Shane cracks him in the shoulder, but Shane won't cover him. Instead, he tells Orton to get up. And I'm like, this is stupid. Are yeah. you kidding me? That was the ending. Shane right. wants Orton up, and he charges him and eats an RKO, and he loses the match. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just as I was like, I'm done with this match. That's the finish. I was like, fuck this match. Minus one star. I hated this. <laughs> I don't have it quite that bad. Uh, but no, it wasn't, not a it wasn't good. Was not good. Um, so yeah, we get replays of the match. Um, Orton stalks Shane as if he may attack, but just eventually slides out and leaves ringside. Uh, the next night on Raw, they had the same match. Oh, these two and uh, these two had a no holds barred match uh, that would end up seeing Randy punt Shane in the head, and he would hit an RKO on Stephanie McMahon. And I mean, probably that, how this match should have ended. Like, why did they have right. this match then? Well, and that was too much for Triple H to take as the uh, world champion would then, after he'd been uh, estranged from his wife for mm-hmm. a couple of years at this point, like he would come to his wife's defense and uh, eventually would goat Randy into uh, except, you know, challenging him at WrestleMania for the title. Because I think Randy won the uh, Rumble that year. Okay. was why he was feuding with the McMahons because they didn't want him to take a title match. Uh, but yeah, that would lead to Triple H and Orton. Main eventing WrestleMania and nobody wanting to see it because they had to follow <laughs> Triple H or they had to follow Sean and Undertaker. So. Ah, okay. And this is also just about it for Shane McMahon until he took his long break until recently. This was, he would, you know, not, he would return uh, a little while after being punched in the head and we'd have that weird pay per view six man tag where it was Triple H, Shane, and Vince against Legacy. Yeah, and if anybody got pinned, then Orton would be the champion, and <laughs> and uh, that was and that was it. Shane would be gone from the company until he made his return in 2016. Wow! So this match happened. I I was you know I I was done with it. I paused the show. I walked right. out of the room, and I I get a drink or whatever. I come back in after a snack. I sit down, and I'm like, all right, the show can't get any worse. And then I hit play, and literally. <laughs> The fucking ECW championship graphic pops up on screen. And it's like, no, not next. Match number three for the ECW championship. It's your champion, Jack, the all-American American Thwagger, taking on Fit Finley. Yeah, Fit Finley on ECW, I guess. Well, Fit Finley in full leprechaun mode also, with as he's with Hornswoggle, Hornswoggle his son. Who, yes, who is his son at this point, as we've already made it through the McMahon <laughs> Hornswoggle storyline that just ended up coming out that Finley was his dad all along. So, And guess yay. who's on commentary? Todd uh, Grisham and Matt Stryker. Man, I hate Matt Stryker. Um, yeah, Stryker and Grisham on the call. Um. This is also for Jack Swagger, though, I will say he is very new to the company yeah. overall um, as he's come in and he's on his undefeated streak, won the ECW title. And uh, yeah, not far from his. I think he wins Money in the Bank. Eh, maybe that's the next. I don't know. It's there's, a little ways off of that, probably. There's a little awkward moment where Swagger does like a double handed all five fingers point at the mania sign, which transitions slowly into a Nazi salute for a bit longer than's comfortable before he finally brings it in for a military salute at the mania sign. Honestly, yeah, yeah, he's always doing the military <laughs> thing. But the it was salute. just like, but like the, the way it started out with like both hands just straight out like this. It's like, what is, what is yeah. that? What are you, are you pointing with all your fingers? Um, and man, the end of the last match killed this crowd yes and then they come out with this and not only do they come out with this these guys do everything they can to possibly kill the entire town 
of Seattle <laughs> and their interest in wrestling ever again. As well, Finley decides we're going to have a good old fashioned holds match. Yeah. Well, like, even before that, before Finley even comes out, Jack Swagger, when he's like in the entrance way, like after he's made his entrance into the ring and he's like standing on the ropes, you can see lines of people heading to the back for oh, snacks yeah. and drinks and, oh, yeah. you know, other shit. It's ridiculous. But yeah, like you said, uh, Swaggle goes under the ring. Finley is like, all right, some, some old school wrestling here. I'm going to grab a half crab. Yeah. God, just, yeah, just twisting the leg and tying it up and letting go and putting it in another <laughs> submission and stomping on it. Uh, oh. Finley attacks me in the corner until Swagger finally, after they messed it up the first time he did it and they just did it again when Swagger didn't move. Swagger avoids Finley and he goes into the turnbuckle. We get the knees from the knees to the midsection and a hammer lock from Swagger. All right. Yeah. Oh, uh, so. it's awful. So Grisham points out because the fans at one point, like during that half crab, are chanting, We want Christian. So right. Grisham finally says, you know, Christian laid down the challenge for this belt to whoever wins the match. So he's He's got his quarter on the side of the machine. He's got he's got winner. Um, right. Yeah, and Grisham also tells us we saw Triple H win the title earlier in the night when a fantastic elimination chamber match. It's like, you don't know what you're talking about. Um, it's true. Yeah, so Swagger's pulling on the arm, working it over with Finley. Finley, though, uses like a knee to the gut to get a two count. Swagger then charges in the corner, but Finley went down, and Swagger didn't kick him or anything. Is this what you're talking about when he fucks up? No, that, no, this is different. Finley flips up and over Swagger and attacks him and, and stacks him up for a one count on the pinfall attempt. And then Finley begins hitting uppercuts. And here comes Hornswoggle. And I'm just like, oh boy. But Finley dives for a crossbody and gets a two count. Yeah. Um, he then Finley then hits a clothesline and a seated senton for a two on Swagger. We get a shoulder tackle from Finley in the corner and then one in the opposite corner. Uh, Fit was shoved into the ropes, and Hornswoggle was shoved, was you know pushed off the apron to the mat as he was up on the apron for no reason at all. <laughs> yeah, and uh, Swagger would hit a gut wrench power bomb for the one two three and the victory. Your winner this- and still ECW champion Jack Swagger. For uh, for a guy that I feel like usually always like has a fairly well structured match whenever I see him, Finley like. What was this? This had no pacing at all. It just like Ugh. suddenly ends with this fucking gut wrench powerbomb out of nowhere. I don't know. I was not a big fan of this match either. This is this is the low point of the show for me after the last match as well. <laughs> no, this is not good. I think this was just probably a lot to do with swagger and just his that might be, yeah. greenness and his inability to, you know. I mean, they got him in there with Finley just so that he probably won't be, you know, there is no chance he could look bad. And then he still could went out there and even Finley couldn't, you know, make him look good. Could you imagine an announced team of Todd Grisham and the coach? I feel like they already sound almost identical with their voices anyways, but I, the, the blandness of that is blowing my mind when I was thinking right. about it. Right. Well, they're both easy, the ESPN guys too. True. So we go back to Colin King and we're told about the local medical facility that Shane's been taken to. He's in and out of consciousness. Yeah, he's been losing consciousness for a while since that last match. So, uh-oh. Uh, then we get a shot okay. of 
HBK praying. He's acting very serious and solemn. And I'm like, you know, this would be a lot easier to take without the cartoonish merch that he's wearing while he's doing it. Like he turns after having prayed with like his, you know, watery eyes and he's getting ready to walk to the match where he's going to, he's got his life in servitude on the line and he pulls right. on his WWE branded weirdly tightly folded cowboy hat with big old HBK logo on the front in yellow and gold. <laughs> hey, where you gotta sell that merch. I guess it, uh, 2009 may be one of the worst merch years. Like looking at triple H HBK's gear here. I'm just like, yeah. these are terrible designs. Not wrong about that. Um, we then get the hype video for JBL and Shawn Michaels. Um, again, you know, Shawn was hired to make JBL the champion by mania. Uh, so he laid Sean, down. Yeah, Sean has had to do things he didn't like, including you know letting JBL clothesline him and beat him. Uh, Sean couldn't take no more and hit sweet chin music on JBL at one point, and and you know and Cena at the same time. Yeah, but you know, but Cena kicked out, so JBL was pissed. <laughs> yep, and Cena just hit the fu and won, and so Sean wants the money he's owed anyways. Even though he didn't, you know, do the job right. And JBL comes back with this proposal. You versus me. And no way out. You beat me. I will pay you everything I owe you. But if I win, I own the heartbreak kid. I own Shawn Michaels. And you work for me for the rest of your life. <laughs> Like, yeah. Uh, it's just so, like, that's, you know, wrestling can just sometimes uh. jump, even wrestling can jump the shark. Like, <laughs> there's no reason why JBL would put himself in this situation. Yeah. Like, you still have time until WrestleMania. Why didn't you just have Sean do something to help you win the title on this night? Well, that and, like, the, this whole, like, I'm, not, I'm just not going to pay you thing. Like, so now, <laughs> now you have to, you know, jump through this other hoop if you want to get the money that I promised you before. Uh, it's just kind of weird to me. Because why do you even need to offer up the money side of it? Sean is going to be so eager to fight you just for his freedom. Like, yeah. I, I, the money thing is just so, just, I don't know why it just sounds so stupid to me. Like, and I'll pay you everything I owe you. Well, well what are you owing? Like, yeah. what, I, what, and if, if you don't, I own the heartbreak. So he gets all his merch money. He gets all of his, his, you know, decision making. And for life? For life. What does that mean? What are you going to do? What? <laughs> In perpetuity. God, yeah. JBL, this yeah. CNBC words. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know. It's I mean, I just, whatever. It, like it's, the video finally ends with JBL going, it's all or nothing. It's yeah. all or nothing. And he's so hell. And the wife aspect of this is so <laughs> out of left field. This- this feels just, so much like JBL is jealous that Jericho got to get his wife involved in their their feud in right, 2008. Right. Can I punch her? Can I punch Sean's wife? No, John, you're not punching Sean's wife. Because, uh, yeah, it's just, it's just like this throwaway line at the end of the video where he's like, oh, yeah, and bring your wife. Yeah. Like, I want her no, in I front mean, row. It's like, I'll, I'll bet she comes to a few of them anyway. I mean, I, yeah. it's not like it's... <laughs> So, Ugh. and then she's like this odd part of it. You know, it'd been one thing if there'd been this overarching thing where maybe JBL was trying to make a move in on Sean's wife, you mm. know, or maybe there was even going to be an indecent proposal. They can't do that. Point. It's PG, Tony. We got- I know. <laughs> I know. I'm just telling you, though, that's, I'll bet that's where this story started. Uh. And then they had to whittle it down because that's what I kept thinking. I'm like, he acts like there's been this long 
mm-hmm. between him and Sean's wife. Like this is yeah. a. He made an offhand comment about bringing her to the pay-per-view, and then she's here. Like, I just wish there was a little bit more behind, you know, the two of them. So, match four, all or nothing match. I did. They just. I literally didn't know that was the name of it until they announced it here. Um, all or nothing match. John Bradshaw Layfield versus the Heartbreak Kid, Shawn Michaels. Yes. Who, should have just come to the ring with his wife. I don't know why they didn't just do that based on what happens. But anyway. Um, yeah, like, why wouldn't you at least bring her down? Instead, she's just randomly all of a sudden sitting in the crowd. Shawn Michaels' wife went by what name as a member of the Nitro Girls? DP? Shasta. <laughs> I don't know. First of all, there was one named Shay. All right. It wasn't Shasta. And her name was, and Shawn's wife's name was Whisper. All right. Oh, ah, so, okay. He just recently debuted in the Nitros that I'm watching through it. I just thought that was kind of funny. <laughs> Light. Black hair at the, she had black hair at the time, though. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, she's she's sitting here awkwardly in the crowd, like, sad, and she's, like, Hogan-level tan. Like, she is very brown. Oh, man. Yeah, like, ah, she's a beautiful woman, but that tan is something <laughs> to mean. I'll give her credit, too. She is in the uh, Diana Smith. Uh, you can just tell myself, like, the family members that, like, they know, like, oh, don't worry. I know like, how to sell. Like, they're yeah. good at, like, the emotions and mm-hmm. the emote. When yeah, they she's great. Faces and stuff. Like, you know, Diana Smith was kind of a one note. I'm <laughs> being honest. But, you know, Linda Mc- Zombie Linda. I mean, just, you know, yeah. over the years, some of the great performances by uh, loved ones. <laughs> oh, well, yeah. So Cole reminds us that JBL's stipulation is in perpetuity, meaning or forever. And it's like, this is ridiculous. Shawn Michaels finally comes to ringside, and the guy who Shawn gave his hat to is amazing because you don't see him right away, but like in the background, because Shawn continues walking down the ringside area to where his wife's at, but in the background is the guy he got his fucking cowboy hat, who is leaping in the air, wiling, like throwing his hands around in celebration. He is the most happy person I think I've ever seen on film. Well, I mean, I'll say that's a, uh, you know, it's not like Bret Hart's glasses. You know, that's a fairly yeah. random one. And for True. him to, like, give his hat away, you know, I don't know. So that, that is cool. I don't know if I'd react quite... Because, honestly, I wouldn't react like that because I'd try to play it super cool so nobody tried to, like, mess with me and try, try to take, to take it. it. yeah. I'd be worried about that if I was in that situation. All of a sudden, you've got, like, five kids that have, like, illnesses near you that their parents are just, like, asking <laughs> yeah. if they can have it. <laughs> yeah, somehow I sat in a section with all the Make-A-Wish kids. <laughs> Weirdest thing. I don't know how it happened. Uh, oh man so yeah at this point i get confused when i was watching it i was like is his wife becoming a potential servant as well because she is like crying here (laughs) that's why i said it's also it's there's like a disconnect there because she hasn't been a part of like the angle other than Mm -hmm. like i mean taking swipes at sean and like maybe yeah oh your wife's gonna be so ashamed of you know that kind of (laughs) stuff but i mean like who cares i mean really because yeah he comes out and he immediately walks to the ropes and is like jawing with her mm-hmm. and giving her like creepy stares and Sean enters and goes straight to her and yeah. is like are you okay again it's just this whole thing where it's like you would think JBL had punched her in the face at some point <laughs> over the course of this feud yes yeah because she is literally just this like oh shit our p- plot is thin we need a third act McGu- like just mm-hmm. insert something into this that it's like Deborah. Everybody always forgets about WrestleMania 17 that Deborah was in the corner of the rock. 
for the oh, WrestleMania okay. match against Steve Austin. And they <laughs> added that in like the last two weeks before the go home show. Okay. And she couldn't be less relevant. No one remembers that Deborah uh, was, but that was that. We got to inject a, just a little more emotion. Yeah. Austin's real, you know, it real feels life. like whenever the, the, the heart parents would just randomly show up right. all of a sudden. Exactly. Like, yeah. yeah, we flew Stu and Martha in just yeah. so that we could put the camera on them and they could but cry while Brett and Owen were fighting. As King is recapping it, I just like, how can anyone take this seriously? Sean put in a position that he absolutely had to work for JBL, but if Sean can somehow win this match tonight, I'm going to hope in her eyes and the tears. If Sean can somehow win this match tonight, he's going to get enough money from JBL that he won't have to worry about his future, and he won't have to be under the thumb of John Bradshaw Layfield anymore. How much money is he getting for this deal? Like, is he owed, like, millions of dollars at this point? Well, that's another thing that's just a little bit weird. Like, Ted DiBiase, the million-dollar man, his character was that he was filthy rich and could do whatever he wanted. And But things were also cartoonish back then. Yeah. You know, we're in an era now by 2009 where it's like it's kind of well-known about what these guys are probably making. Mm-hmm. A star on the level of Shawn Michaels, what he's probably making. You know, JBL has made his money on the side. His wife is actually the breadwinner. But it's been a lot of investments, and yeah. he's made a lot of really good business decisions that has been, you know, supplemented his income outside of wrestling and why he was able to slow down and end things when he did because he had done so well. But this idea, though, that he's so rich that he can like set Sean up for life is ridiculous. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like, <laughs> again, unless he's a million-dollar man-like character, but you know, we're in this age of real-life character kind of pro, you know, mm-hmm. profiles. So it's not, you know, is that what we're supposed to be led to believe? Like I said, the whole thing is just ridiculous. Because Shawn is. Michaels is probably making as much or more than anybody in this company, you know. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I don't know. It's just funny. It's just <laughs> The fact that these two had an angle is kind of amazing, really. So I noticed here that when we see the side of the ring, like Jim Ross's table is just gone. They never rebuilt it. He's gone. Also, the ECW guys are gone. Yeah, it's just Cole and King at ringside, which I didn't realize was because they they're gonna call it these last two matches. But right. yeah, they just they didn't make the other guys sit out there any longer. Jr. and Taz are probably already back at their hotel at this point. They, probably. It didn't seem like they were having a good time. Michaels uh, yeah, gets a backslide, ahead. but JBL is able to power back with a clothesline for a two count. Uh, Sean begins attacking the knee of JBL with chop blocks. And he gets the figure four on them, uh, figure four locked on. As they say, you know, shades of the Hall of Famer, Ric Flair. Of course, with Michael Cole, he's got to get shades in there. But Sean uh, gave up on the figure four and goes to the crossface, because this was that time when only Sean and Triple H were allowed to use the crossface in the WWE. Yeah. Um, man, did you Sorry, did I jump a bunch of stuff? I didn't realize. Okay. Oh, no, you didn't jump anything at all. I'm sorry. Um, Bradshaw would turn that into a pin attempt. Uh, Sean would come back with big chops in the corner. JBL then whipped HBK into the opposite corner, and he flipped up and out of the ring. Always looks great. Mm-hmm. JBL then rams HBK into the apron and rolls him back inside. We get a series of elbow drops from the big Texan down the uh, I, down Shawn Michaels. I loved the way that he is staring down Shawn's wife as he's doing the elbow drops here. Like it was, it was like I got into this. I thought this match oh, yeah. like comes together well. Like this overarching storyline, like we said, has been ridiculous. Right. But the, these two wrestlers working together and like the drama with his wife, 
I get pulled straight into this match. Like this is right. after disliking so much on this show, I fucking loved so much of this match. But this was when I really started to get into it. Absolutely. No, like I said, yeah, the the emotion, I'm not sure why it's there, but no, it's you know, it's good stuff. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's at this point that the king brings back up the money that Sean's going to get if he wins. And I'm like, just stop bringing that up and just call the match so I can get back into this. <laughs> uh, JBL with some stiff punches. Like, those mm-hmm. looked brutal. Um, and then he applied the bear hug. Oh, God. So. Long, long bear hug as Cole yeah. calls Shawn Michaels to WWE like Mickey Mouse is to Disney. Is that what he says? He says something about Mickey Mouse and Disney, and I couldn't figure out the comparison <laughs> that he was trying to com- make. I don't know. I didn't make note of it. God, that sounds terrible, though. We get an inverted atomic drop by Michaels, another, but JBL comes right back with punches to the face after placing him atop the ropes. JBL climbs and goes for the superplex, but Sean fights him off and then hits the elbow drop. No, JBL rolled out of the way, and Cole calls yeah. JBL the veteran. There's a veteran move. Yeah. Uh, JBL would hit the clothesline from hell on Sean, but he manages to kick out at two. A second clothesline from hell, but he stares at Sean's wife instead of going for the pin. This was just when it was like, <laughs> yeah. this is the first time you've seen her, man. Like, you, you said, bring her to the mat. Like, why are you? I mean, I, I mean, you know, like, I, oh. yeah, you can see why you want to look at her, but you're in the middle of a match here and like, you just hit your finisher on him. And if you had pinned him, then you could stare at her. Yeah. And, She'd be all crying, and you know, it'd be you'd be all that much more satisfied with yourself. <laughs> so I don't get, I didn't get any oh. of that. JBL suddenly wants the countout win, so he throws Sean outside unconscious. Yeah, he's a berserker now. He's gonna win by countout. That's his gimmick. <laughs> but Sean just lays there, completely dead, until nine. Then stands up, gets in the ring, and is still out <laughs> once he's in there. I was like, this is so cartoonish, but I love it. Oh. <laughs> so pop up. JBL throws him out in front of his wife a second time and says, Hey, when you come work for me, you'll see how broken and old he is. And his wife punches JBL. He was getting in her face. And Sean begins feeding off the emotion, we're told, as he hits attacks. They get into the ring. He hits the Thez press, the ground and pound. And Sean hits the big scoop slam and the elbow drop from the top. Yeah. Hits the elbow drop, then tunes up the band, and delivers sweet chin music on JBL for the one, two, three. Yeah, your winner, Shawn Michaels. I forgot how like like not drawn out the end was of this match, though. Like they they don't make it out like it's an no. epic finish. Like no, that's what's so weird. Like this match is nothing. It is <laughs> like so quick, and then it's over. You know, they just just as you're getting act- into it, they're like, "Yep, he wins." Yeah, they're pack, they pack a lot of drama into not much of a match. Oh, Rebecca's crying happy tears as yep. Sean lead. I love Sean leaving the guy next to him just completely hanging on the high five. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah, he kisses his wife, and they walk to the back celebrating, and uh, we get replays. Yep. Replays, and then... We go to backstage interviewer Todd Grisham, not ECW announcer Todd Grisham. Don't confuse me. Well, this um, is also that weird time where they didn't have lady interviewers also. That, that is weird. Yeah. <laughs> so I know. it's Because they had all these extra Michael Cole clones yeah. walking around that they had to give something to do. So, oh. so here comes Chris Jericho. And is Chris reading off of a 
cue card here. Dude, I don't know, but it is it's what it looks like, man. It's weird. I do enjoy this little bit of it here, though. Chris wants to win and challenge Chris, uh, Ric Flair. And when I do win, I'm then going to invite and challenge Ric Flair to come out of retirement and face me at WrestleMania 25 and give him the chance to become the 17-time world champion. You know what? I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to waste my time on a charity case like Ric Flair. Because I know he's watching somewhere, Todd, and I wanted to build him up before I pulled the rug away from him and took him straight down to reality. I wasn't serious about that. But I am serious about my guarantee that I will win the chamber match tonight. <laughs> I just... I, oh, I wasn't serious about that. But, that, like, I enjoyed the delivery of it. But when you're watching him, we're very close up. His eyes are fucking bloodshot to hell. And, and, he's, yeah. and you can kind of see him, like seemingly scanning a card or at least just looking off in the distance yeah that's totally what it looks like and the promo was so weird like what's up with the rick flair talk (laughs) i think does he end up facing rick flair at wrestlemania i think rick flair's in like impact in 2009 (laughs) it's close man like i don't you might maybe i can't remember i can't remember i don't know it's just because this is also leading to him fighting the legends at WrestleMania. Oh, okay. And the, Mickey Rourke, yeah. and the Mickey Rourke thing. Yeah, okay. So that's the only reason why I think maybe he did the Flair thing, because I, I think that's kind of the point of that whole match at Mania with Piper and Steamboat and stuff, is that I think he's been talking shit. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. So, so yeah, I don't know. Now it's time to thank Saliva for this song, Hunt You Down, our theme song which, here tonight. Which, by 2009... Is saliva still relevant? I this is because in 2009 is when I really remember being like, oh, saliva is just a WWE band. Like that's they just <laughs> right. make songs yeah. that will fit with WWE shows. But yeah, here's yep. here's hunt you down. Uh, the at least as I, I had to cut the part out that they always cut out. I'll play you the missing clip in just a second. But this is what we generally are hearing during all the like promos and videos. So whatever, like, I don't know. It's not terrible. It's not great. But then like they, they for some reason, cut this piece out of like the, the chorus there. Cause like we hear that chorus during two or three videos here tonight. And this piece is just missing completely. Cause when I finally listened to the actual song, I was like, what is this? It's like, why, that seems like that fits into all of your fucking like wrestling match like references and shit. Like, why why did you cut that out? <laughs> I have no idea. That yeah. I, there's no idea. So, were um, you a saliva fan when you were younger? Then, I mean, I don't know. Like the click click boom yeah. CD and stuff. Like, I remember that being out like that album. Like, I remember enjoying I, that. I remember wanting to make a video edited to the uh, 
this is the big show or whatever their yeah. music yeah. song was. But other yeah. than that, like the, <laughs> I was not a big fan of this one specifically. No, most of it, yeah, you know, most of it was uh, WWF inspired, like you had mentioned. Um, I did look. Ric Flair is still with the company. He okay. is retired though. Michaels retired him at the previous year's WrestleMania. Then yeah, what the fuck? And so. <laughs> Jericho would challenge him to come out of retirement at Mania. Flair would deny him okay. and would manage Piper, Snuka, and Steamboat in a three-on-one handicap match. Gotcha. He was then around for a little bit longer, but by March of 2009, he sh- he was signed with Ring of Honor. Okay. Was, so. Weird. Yeah. The very, very end of his time with the company. Huh. Anyways. So another shot of the Space Needle now, because we're in Seattle, you see. Um, ah, yes, got to prove it. And we recapped the Triple H one earlier. We're told 67% of the time the title has changed hands in the chamber. And King says he'd bet 67% of his money that it's going to change hands again. And we go to match number five. It's the World Heavyweight Championship Elimination Chamber match. It's your champion, John Cena, going into pod one. Mike Knox into pod two. Kane into pod three. Kofi Kingston into pod four. And then... Wait, Kofi Kingston is making his way out and gets attacked by Edge and replaces him. So it's Edge. And then I forgot to write down the rest of the names that are entering this because my notes get so... And then Rey Mysterio and Chris Jericho. Yes, Rey Mysterio and Chris Jericho. Apologies. (laughs) So... Cena is your champion and uh, is not starting the match. No. Of course not. Why would he? He's... He's going to do what the champion should always do in these matches. <laughs> he will be the last one to enter. Um, uh, and funny thing, like interesting here about Mike Knox, who is clearly the like one of these is not like the other. Mm-hmm. And he won a battle royal off of television to earn this spot. Oh, I didn't realize it was an off TV battle royal. Which, which we also just have to take them at their word. This could because, be a yeah. This could be a you know a tournament in the Caribbean or whatever for the in Rio de Janeiro kind of a thing. Because <laughs> Mike Knox is also at this point like this is about it for him. Yeah, like, he's about to be out of the company. Like he had well, these weird like stop and starts, and then they and then he was just gone. Like listen to King try to explain what this character is, and you realize that they just don't have anything. There's nothing to this character. Right. This guy is just. Uh... Certainly nasty. He's creepy. It's hard to figure out. He just wants to beat on people. For, and, and then you ask him why? No reason. It's, I guess his personality. <laughs> what? I guess that's his personality. He likes to beat on people for no reason. Yeah, like you said, that's a real winning character right there. Yeah. Kane is called conflicted and demented by Michael Cole. And Whatever. man, I was so psyched when I heard Kofi's music hit, and then I remembered what was going to happen, and then it was like, why didn't you just have Edge replace Mike Knox? Like, what? Why the fuck is Kofi the one that gets beat up here? That's true. I will say that, like, this is uh, this is even pre like Orton feud Kofi though. Like, this was yeah. Uh, this is, I mean, it's a great way to get some more heat too, because the fans enjoy Kofi coming out. They're excited right. to see him jump into the match, and then <clears throat> yeah. Edge well, yeah, stops the real bummer is that. CM Punk lost a qualifying match to be in either one of these. So, ah, okay. Because him and Kofi, this is around the time that they were the tag team champions. Oh, nice, nice. Okay. So, so yeah, because Edge just throws him into the steps, grabs a chair, knocks him out, and mm-hmm. walks up into one of the, the chambers and like starts telling the ref you have to lock it. 
And the ref's like, no, I'm not, you're not supposed to be in this, like he, it's like that, that pod specifically won't be blocked until like the match actually begins. But it's, uh, it's just kind of fun. It's just like this weird confusion. No one knows what's happening. Right. Well, yeah, I don't want to do like, what do we do? Like he's in the pod. I, you know, I guess whatever. Um, so yeah, edge is in the match and, uh, Jericho and Mysterio are the first two in the ring. Yeah. I enjoyed watching Ray, like, you know, shouting for the medics and then trying to get into mm-hmm. the box to get after, uh, edge oh, yeah. beforehand. But yeah, Chris is tired of waiting. He comes out and the referees just lock it and we start the match Ray versus Jericho. And I'm just like, all right. So if the order is the same as the first match, as far as the pods, it would be Cena, Knox, Kane, edge, but that's not how it's going to happen. But, uh, <laughs> Jericho with a shoulder block. He smiles at the crowd as they boo this move. Ray fires up with kicks, a Hurricane Rana. He wants the 619, but Jericho runs to the outside, and Mysterio then springboards onto him and clotheslines Jericho back into the ring. Yeah. Yeah, these two have a great back and forth. He sends Ray, sends Ray, Chris sends Ray into the corner, hits a pod of Kane head first. Brutal stuff there from Ray as he just went like a missile right into it. This is when uh, Cole tells it. us that Lexan glass is bulletproof. Oh, yes. The Lexan. Yeah, exactly. Bulletproof. Uh, Jericho hits a suplex on Mysterio for a two count. And then backdrops Ray out of the ring and catapulted him into the chain wall. Ray, though, Spider-Man-like, catches himself on the wall and climbs up before dropping from the you know, the roof, nearly the roof of the chamber mm-hmm. onto the shoulders of Jericho and hitting a Hurricanrana. Uh, he then hits a springboard senton, a reverse powerbomb into a bulldog, and both men are down. Dude, so. that fucking, that move off the the ceiling was awesome, though. Like, that was really yeah. cool. Oh, man, yeah, it looked great. No, they had really good stuff there, you know, between Jericho and Mysterio at the start. The but countdown. now it's time to start muddying the waters, and Kane enters the match. <laughs> Kane is not happy with Edge, apparently, uh, but yeah. he fights off both Ray and Jericho early on. We had a side slam on Mysterio for a two count. The three-way battle was pretty good stuff, but Ray sets up Kane and Jericho for a 619 after a kerfuffle. He hits it on Kane, and then Jericho hits the code breaker on Kane, but Mysterio fights Jericho instead of going for the pin and climbs atop the chamber and hits the seated senton dive and then pins Kane, and he has been eliminated before the next man can even come out. Yeah. Yeah, there was one point when they didn't pin Kane that really annoyed me. Like, if he had a 619 and then a code breaker, Mm -hmm. and then nobody did it, then Jericho's taken out of the ring. But yeah. Um, Knox comes into the match with a boot for Mysterio and a pump kick for Jericho. What a muted reaction for Mike Knox's uh, chamber open, by the way. Yeah, because who cares? (laughs) Like, who could bother to care? Um, Yeah, pump kick. Knox crushes Ray in the corner. Hits a side slam. I'm sorry. Hits a slam on Jericho, followed by a knee drop for a two. Jericho, though, ducks a kick and dumps Knox out of the ring. Knox, though, would catch a Jericho crossbody and slams him into the chain wall and then tossed him into it again. Mysterio, though, would jump onto his back, uh, but was also slammed into the chain wall. He then hooked the leg of Mysterio in the wall and uh, delivered knees as he kind of hung in a tree of woe position. And uh, Knox would also send Jericho into the pod wall. So he is a house of fire here, is Mike Knox. <laughs> yeah. House of fire, Knox catches Ray, his kick in the corner. He then hits a backbreaker, but Jericho saves him by hitting a code breaker on Knox and yeah. pins him, and Mike Knox is eliminated. Yeah, just like that. I mean, after he was 
just completely dominating <laughs> here. They sent him on his way. And the countdown um, begins. Right. Here comes Edge. Yeah, Edge. Yeah, Edge is your next man to enter the match. Uh, the man who started the night as the world heavyweight champion, or I'm sorry, as the WWE champion, is now here trying to win the world heavyweight championship. Um, he goes right after Mysterio. Or I'm sorry, Mysterio goes right after Edge. Slams his face into the pod wall. Uh, Jericho, though, would come to the aid of Edge and uh, hit Ray with a clothesline, then a back suplex. Jericho then with a face buster on Edge and goes back onto Mysterio. He hits a back elbow, but Ray gets his knees up on a lion salt attempt. And then Edge would hit the pulling down, pull him down backwards by their chin. Is that the edge matic I guess, yeah, that might be the edge matic I can't ever remember which Edge pun thing it is. Like, right. It's not. It's a move that I don't really. I don't see anybody else do either. Which the is education. Weird. I don't know which one that one is. Uh, Ray dodges the spear from Edge, and when Ray wants the six one nine on Edge, Jericho stops him because we keep stopping Ray from hitting six one nines. Jericho drags Ray up to the top. Edge climbs up, and Jericho hits a sunset flip onto Edge, sending Ray flying into the superplex. All three men are down after the big tower spot, and Cena's just sitting down in his pod, squatting like he's got to take a shit. And it's finally the countdown hits, 10, 9, 8, 7, whatever. He comes out, and Edge is standing tall as Cena comes out. He hits Edge with shoulder blocks. Yeah, it goes right into the five moves of doom. Yeah. <laughs> um, the shoulder tackles, then a belly-to-belly. You get a fisherman suplex on Jericho, and then a bulldog on Edge. He hits the spinning side slam on Edge and signals, you can't see me. Five-knuckle shuffle from Cena. And then the AA was blocked by Jericho, who hit a code breaker while Cena had Edge and the fireman carry. Mysterio hits a 619. Edge hits a spear. And Cena is eliminated. Yeah. It's like, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> Super Cena is eliminated. Dude, they okay. hit him with all three finishers and put him down in like 50 seconds of him coming into the match. It just blows my mind. I mean, and, I'm not that upset about it, but but then like the crowd is like buzzing because like they don't know oh, what's yeah. happening. Edge, we get this awesome shot of him with the reaction of like looking around the room and kind of realizing oh, yeah. what's going on. Yeah, and a that's good, it's a good gif you'll see every now oh, and then. Fantastic gif, especially when they cut out the rope that takes his nose mm-hmm. away. That's always yep. good stuff. Um, <laughs> so yeah, Jericho and Ray and Edge begin brawling. Ray's in control with a dropkick on Edge, a head scissors for Jericho. He places both men in 619 position, but Edge is able to dodge as Jericho takes a 619. But he blocks the West Coast pop, and Mysterio still counters the walls of Jericho, and he pins him. And so you're down to Ray and Edge as Jericho has been eliminated, and the fans are losing their minds with these two guys. Oh, yeah. They're, yeah, they're really heating up um, as the match gets closer and closer to its end. Um, Edge readies for the spear, but Ray sidesteps it. Ray rolls Edge up for a two. He uh, delivers a cross body on Edge for another two count, and both men are down. Mysterio rolls through a sunset flip and kicks Edge in the face and covers for another two count. Edge would catch a Ray backflip, but Mysterio managed a tornado DDT for another near fall. Edge knocks Ray down before he could climb to the top rope. Ray, though, counters a powerbomb into a face buster. And hits a 619 to the back of Edge. Yeah. And King calls it the 916. And that makes Cole laugh. But just after like the third near fall, I think there was like a buzzsaw kick that Ray hit for a two count. Cole mm-hmm. at this point doesn't know what show he's on. What are we doing? We're, I don't 
Let's say, what are you talking about Mysterio? Mysterio's been on Raw at that point uh, for a minute. We're on Raw. He's on SmackDown. Uh, but yeah, the, there's there's also a crowd in the there's a man just shouting where is Kofi at one point in the match and I was just like I would I am kind of I understand why some fans would think he would end up running out at some point to at least like you know have some sort of a hey what the hell yeah. sort of a thing but I mean he did sense. get hit with a chair in the face right so yeah the the nine one six the six one nine to the back of Edge but Edge is able to lift Ray in the air when he's charging and he tosses him into the Lexan on the outside. Right into the pod. It like snaps inward. Ray, it's very violent. It's very loud. They replay it a bunch of times. Yeah. Um, Ray then takes a spear in the middle and Edge pins him one, two, three. And your winner and new world champion is Edge. Edge again. Oh, no! This whole thing stinks. Like, what do you care? Like, I'd imagine someone above your pay grade will work. Will figure something out. Yeah, yeah. No one's gonna let one show have both the championships. Somebody will get traded back over. This, this is also a time though, where top guys just were on both shows. Mm -hmm. Like the champions were just would just show up on both shows, so it didn't. Yeah make a huge world of difference, you know. But this would also be, you know, the transition <clears throat> for these belts. Yeah. As you know, the big gold belt would remain on SmackDown for pretty much its duration after things worked out, worked themselves out, and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, the WWE Championship would be a big part of Raw. Definitely. Yeah, so Edge lifts the belt high. He's called the ultimate opportunist. King wonders, does Raw not have a world champion then? And then I was just like, oh, yeah, this the company is totally doing the combined numbers because they talk about Edge being like a 12-time world champion or some shit. Oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, uh, overall, I thought the first two-thirds of the show were bland and no one should go watch them. And the last right. hour and five minutes are really fucking fun, and I totally recommend them. Yeah. No, yeah, it's definitely, you know, probably pretty standard as far as pay-per-views around this era go. I mean, in all honesty, there's... A few bright spots, but you know you have to decide if you're willing to put up with a lot of bullshit in order to watch that. Yeah. So, um, do you want to jump into the the star ratings then, Tony? Yeah, sure. All right. So we got Dave Meltzer's star ratings to compare these two. I'm curious to see how we line up. I know I put star ratings on two matches, but oh. I generally don't do that. But it was just in my notes. I had, I had done it just out of fury, and so. I'm going to have those here as well. Uh, but yeah, our first match, the WWE Heavyweight Champion Elimination Chamber. What did you give it, Tony? Um, well, you know, this match, when it didn't have Vladimir Kozlov involved, <laughs> um, yeah. was, you know, a pretty solid chamber match. I thought the uh, the ending stuff with Triple H and The Undertaker was really solid. Um, I gave this match three stars. I'm, I am with you. Three stars seems fair. All right. Dave Meltzer... Gave this four and a quarter stars. Wow. Big fan. Man. Big fan of this one. I um, feel like we've had this before with him in these chamber matches. Like he loves the chamber matches. <laughs> that might be the case. Uh, match two, Randy Orton versus Shane McMahon. 
Um, you know, I'll just, I'll just go ahead and tell you, I put minus one star on this because it, yeah. I really hated this match. I didn't hate it that much, and I thought it had a good story. I didn't love like the legacy break where they just get involved and Randy lays on the table for a while. <laughs> um, but they, it didn't overstay its welcome. I gave it one star. Okay. Dave Meltzer gave this 3.5 stars. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> big fan. Big fan of Shane McMahon, apparently. Yeah, um, okay. Jack Swagger versus Finley with Hornswoggle. Oh, man. God love Finley. He tried. Um, I gave this one half of a star. Man, I was kind of, I gave it 0. .75 stars. Uh, okay. Dave Meltzer gave it one star. So we were fairly in the, the ballpark there. Shawn Michaels versus JBL. You know, we talked a lot about this, about a lot of the positives and things we liked around this match. Mm-hmm. When it comes down to rating the actual match that these two men have, I it wasn't anything. And it wasn't <laughs> all that great. Was, and I gave it. Like when, whenever I've heard described like the idea of like the roller coaster where like you go up and then you go down and then right. you go back up and then back down. This was just you go up and then you go down. Or you go down and then you go up, and that was right. that was it. Like it was a very exactly. simple structure. Yeah, um, I gave this match one star. Dave Meltzer was around where you were at one point seven five stars. I in my heart I enjoyed it a lot more than that. But yeah, when you look at just the basic match, I could understand where that rating comes from. <laughs> right. Finally, our main event world heavyweight champion elimination chamber match. What'd you give it? Um, a great chamber match. Maybe one of the better ones. I'm not sure. I'd have to go through them all. Uh, but I gave this four stars. I really enjoyed this as well. I thought right there with you, four stars. Dave Meltzer uh, also liked it just as much as the first heavyweight championship elimination chamber match. He gave this 4.25 stars. All right. So, I mean, you know. I mean, maybe I'm being a little hard on thing. that first one. Man, I, how do you excuse Kozlov? I feel like me and you are being, are, we're the exceptions to the rule here because when I went to the Users of Cage match, this show is rated an 8.18 out of 10 with 66 total votes cast. Every single review was in German, so these are translated to Google, uh, by Google, I should say. I've got two reviews to read for you. Uh, neither of them are, there's tons of 10s and 8s that were just like four stars to everything and they loved it. But, this one was in 2016. It was Smee48. Smee? What about Smee? He gave it a 7 out of 10. Says, a lot of class, sufficient mass. The eliminations are always trump cards, which here triumph sovereignly. It is remarkable that there is hardly any boredom at this pay-per-view. When the ring performance, McMahon versus Orton is correct. Although there is no real hit, but also absolutely no failures. Michaels against JBL is solid. Swagger against Finley, except for the Hornswoggle bullshit, at least acceptable. The consequence of two new title winners is interesting, even if Cena will not be asked for long. Nevertheless, I draw a positive conclusion, especially for a B pay-per-view with low expectations, an entertaining fun event with some interesting twists in the big WWE plot. I, I don't know that you should ever, like, rate a show... On a curve, like wow, it's a B show. <laughs> it's so not it's SummerSlam, okay so it's okay. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, I don't know. Hey, well, whatever. That's it's your opinion, man. So, like I said, it doesn't seem like many people hold our opinion of it not being a f- perfect show, um, right? 
But Sign Squad gave it a low a low rating, four out of ten. It was the only negative opinion I could really find. It's super short; it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. But it says somehow I can't keep up with Meltzer's ratings, and I'm much more critical of WWE. The chamber matches were okay, nothing outstanding, but not really bad either. Edge gets another spot, and the next title is indeed a bit annoying. But who likes it? <laughs> That's the okay. <laughs> all right, <laughs> like, all right. Um, Short so yeah. to the point. So yeah, so a lot of people really liked this show overall. I thought the you know, like I said, the first two thirds you could probably just skip over and not even watch them, and then just watch the last like the start of the JBL match and watch that just because it's fun, like schlock, and then the main event is a lot of fun. Absolutely. No, I agree. Yeah, the chamber matches are certainly a good bookends on this show. But now, Tony, it's time to talk about where we're headed next because I know that at least one company is uh, re-pulling more and more titles out of the grave and affixing them to takeovers. So where are we headed? Well, DP, NXT has announced that their next takeover will be on, I think, Valentine's Day. And it is uh, Takeover Vengeance Day, so yeah. we thought, in uh, you know honor of that, we would go back and watch a classic Vengeance pay per view from the WWF, and uh, that took us to the year 2005 for Vengeance of that year. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a Raw branded pay per view. This is a show I can almost guarantee I saw in a. B- BW3s or a Hooters Probably. because this was the like month that we graduated or whatever the month after yeah, yeah we've got the uh, the, the blow off to Kane and Edge's feud as they go one on one with Lita in the corner of Edge uh, we have a rematch from Wrestlemania of that year as Shawn Michaels and Kurt Angle go one on one a triple threat match for the WWE Championship John Cena defends against Chris Jericho and Christian and in the main event, it's a Hell in a Cell match for the World Heavyweight Championship with Batista defending against Triple H. Nice. So, it, so yeah. it should be fun. I'm excited about this one. Yeah, for being a Raw-only pay-per-view, the card is, you know, looks great. There's some of those SmackDown ones especially that are uh, suspect. <laughs> so, yeah, so that's where we're heading next week. Vengeance 2005. In the meantime, if you need to keep up with us, as I said, don't email us because I still can't get into that yet, but make sure to uh, send us some messages on Twitter and on Facebook. If you want to look on Twitter, it's at GrappleCast. If you'd like to follow me on Twitter, I'm at Deadpool1205. You can follow me, Tony G, at BeyondSanity19. And we'll catch you next week for WWE Vengeance 2005. Alright, so do you want to do some current wrestling talk, though? Oh, do I? Yes. <laughs> okay. Um, Alright, some news of the week. Pluto, the streaming service that works about 75% of the time. I don't know about for you folks, but for me... It's... Uh, <laughs> like, I generally... Like, it's probably more 95% of the time for me, All but... Right. 
right. But lately, like, if there's just channels where they par- they're apparently not getting enough advertising for it because I just get that Pluto TV graphic for like oh. a minute of the commercial break. Yeah. Sometimes I don't mind that as much, but anyway, but anyways, <laughs> um, they launched a wrestling channel, and I, that's that's the, it's the wrestling channel. That's literally the name of it. It's okay. uh, channel seven thirty two. If you are already a fan of the TNA channel, it's right above that. So nice. they're cer- certainly put it in a good spot. I mean, I turned it on last night, and Matt Cross and Ultimo Dragon were having a match. You know, oh, like, it's just it's like, uh, do, and that was from Defy. That's one of the companies that they have. An, a, Defy. Beyond Wrestling. That was what I was about to ask. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Women's Wrestling Revolution, maybe is what it's called. Like, because okay. I was, you know, I saw Jordan Grace Lufisto tag match back from when oh, they were nice. team and all that kind of stuff. Like, so cool stuff. And then I, well, I wake up Saturday morning and they play. They had a marathon of uh, Stone Cold's Broken Skull Challenge, which oh, I'm, okay. I'm a bit of a, is a, bit of a guilty pleasure of mine. The, <laughs> the obstacle yeah. course show where he yells at people that are doing CrossFit or whatever. <laughs> I gotcha. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's cool. And they also have some just random shit that kind of plays in the middle of the night. It's just, um, they've partnered with IWTV, Independent Wrestling Television, you know, the gotcha. streaming app that is going to be a great partner. It's going to be a great opportunity for all kinds of independent companies. So, uh, yeah. I'll be really interested to see kind of where things go from here and if they'll ever be, eventually be able to get maybe something going that's more current, you know, like someone's weekly thing mm-hmm. or maybe at least a monthly show or, you know, something like that. So, the only problem I think seeing with that is that I feel like, that's where the current companies that are producing anything are going to be like, well, we want money for this. This is like what true because yeah, TV right. stations pay for this stuff now. Like this is that's yeah, no, you're right. That's a good point. But yeah, I mean, if they that, get maybe big that, enough, maybe that could be worked out. I don't know. You know, if, the, if, you know, if Pluto TV finds a way to get enough people online and there's, you know, a big enough audience there, then maybe people would just want to be there anyways. Like you might get your MLWs or something like that on there. I mean, if you, I would love if MLW could get on there because right now it is. I mean, I guess I watch. I watch on YouTube. It's mm-hmm. fine, but you know, I mean, they're a little easier to track down. For sure. Um, speaking of television networks or shows, anyways, New Japan is launching a weekly show that will air on the Roku channel Thursdays at five o'clock. So uh, Roku was the purple thing that they were telling us about. Yeah, a bit of a fart and church. It's funny though because I remember thinking like, well, I mean, my Roku is generally purple, but. <laughs> I didn't think that that was like what they were talking Surely about. Surely not Roku channel. Yeah. I always forget that that's like a thing. The cha- you know, the Roku channel or whatever, yeah. like, you know. So. I, I never click on any. Yeah, I never watch the Roku channel, but there's apparently free stuff available there. They always put ads up for things, but. So Thursdays at five, I, I don't know what it's going to be. I don't know. Maybe it's going to be best of. Maybe it'll be, you know, I don't I don't know if they'll use it to push to promote. Is the it just going to be the Axis show? show or is it? Uh, like, maybe. It might be okay. the Axis show. <laughs> maybe i don't know we'll see um jim ross of, did he get signed back in is he is it gonna be him and barnett talking about it please no please no. <laughs> anybody um some releases over the last week lars sullivan finally like, did, what like that was one where it's like they brought him back and then he disappeared again real quick and then it was just I, like what's happening like what are we doing i, I have to imagine that he was just well, I don't know. I, I hate to be too hard on somebody, even mm-hmm. if he is an asshole like this guy kind of was at least one time in his life. Because um, he was actually, I guess, pretty apologetic online afterwards talking about things. But of course he was after the fact. Yeah. Um, but he must have just been a shit. Like, you think he had to, been, had to have been a shithead? Because otherwise, how would he have screwed it up to this point? Like, you've already overcome, you know, dumb shit from your past, mm-hmm. dumb shit from your present, you know, saying things, you know. 
injuries, and then they bring you back, and then they're again just like, never mind, just get out. <laughs> yeah, we're just just think maybe he was like kind of ungrateful. Maybe he kind of didn't get it. Maybe he was. I don't know. You I know, know, I don't. It's hard. It's hard to say, but uh, just another one of those meathead guys. I, it's we've truly kind of entered the phase. Of, I'm not saying there aren't meatheads, yeah. but Lars Sullivan, Ryback, some of these guys that like just mm-hmm. somewhat think maybe they're above wrestling. You know, I don't know. Like they just maybe there was a time when a guy like that would have they would have. Well, put you up still got shit. your Braun Strowman. Well, listen, I didn't say it was perfect. Okay. <laughs> I did not say it was perfect. Um, a bit of a combination of stories here because one thing happened and then something else re- has surfaced in the last couple of days that I found interesting. So okay. the WWE released Steve Cutler, you know, one of those Mr. NXT guys. He was Forgotten Sons oh. and recently been one of Baron King Corbin's guys. They were, you know, hooded or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't know this. He's apparently he's, he's dating Deanna Perazzo of Impact Wrestling. Oh. And uh, they had both tested positive in January, I guess, according to Deanna. And apparently that's what got him fired. He getting contract- COVID? He contracted COVID at a New Year's Eve party and, you know, put people at risk. Oh, you know, okay. Vince is telling Roman Reigns, like, you got nothing to worry about here. And then this guy's yeah. walking in with his, you know, COVID New Year's Eve party. So I, I don't, I'm not saying I'm, I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm sorry the guy lost his job. Yeah, and obviously Deanna Parazzo has been a little more upset about it. I feel like she should be like she kind of needs to understand the circumstances here. Yeah, um, I know it's your boyfriend, but you know you brought COVID to a billion dollar company <laughs> that you know. Now, did he get like? Did he show up that day and that's where he tested positive? Like when they were like looking to record, or was it one? Thing I don't think like- that all that's been real clear. They've been very vague about their COVID stuff. You know, with, like oh, okay. Keith Lee and Mia Yim. Yeah. Just disappearing and them not saying anything about Ricochet disappearing. Mm-hmm. Oh, and speaking of Ricochet, that's where we go to part two of this story because this <laughs> is there news Ninja about Warrior. Ricochet? What's that? Is there news about Ricochet? Well, hang on. Miss Ninja Warrior herself and special lady friend to one Ricochet, Casey Catanzaro, was posting videos of her at a large gathering birthday party with no masks. <sighs> Why, he was why there people, amongst like, why? <laughs> Goodness. He was amongst them. She had been posting a few videos, you know. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, this is also the same people that are also hanging out with, like, Chase and Rance and all the terribleness that comes with him and a few other yeah. people. You know, like, it's just a, some strikes here against Ricochet and Casey Catanzaro to the point that she then had to post a video talk, defending this and mentioning Governor DeSantis's, you know, <laughs> orders. And it's like, what? listen... Don't use DeSantis's name to defend your COVID activity. Okay, yeah. for, for one thing, uh, and then mentioned that, but it's important that you all follow CDC guidelines. And she, you know, tried to do this whole thing, and it's like, listen, gal, uh, this that wow. ain't gonna be enough. And if I'm Ricochet, I haven't watched Raw. I'll be surprised if he's on Raw. Yeah, I, I'm curious I, now. I don't know. And again, I don't know what. I'm all. I'm just putting puzzle pieces together here, and because this is where I don't like the Steve Cutler situation. You know, if in fact that is why you released somebody because they were reckless and careless, yeah, and po- brought a potential hazard to your locker room. Especially, I know lives are more important, but from a company standpoint, WrestleMania season, like you know, you are putting a lot of shit on the line here, and that guy gets fired, and. What are we going to do here with Miss Catanzaro and Ricochet? 
Yeah. So, I don't know. I just thought that was interesting, and she's not. She's she's getting Twitter's not being kind to her right now. At least last I checked, anyway. So, and not she and she deserve you know she doesn't deserve any slack. So, well, that's the thing is like it's just I don't understand why nobody's learned yet to stop making. Like for like, stop doing these things. Stop going to these events. But if you're right. going to be going to these events, stop fucking making social media posts. Like, why, why is that <laughs> impossible to do? I don't understand why people can't just not do that. Like, I, <laughs> like, just don't, don't take get, pictures together. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't get it. It's like the, I mean, again, I'm, not, I'm glad he got outed for it. But like James Harden, who's recording you at your sister's birthday party with your masks not on? <laughs> yeah. Why are they doing it? Yeah. So, yeah, I just, you know, I just don't, didn't, didn't, don't care for it. Don't like it. Um, rest in peace to Butch Reed, who passed away. The uh, hacksaw Butch Reed, formerly a uh, oh, okay. big deal in Florida. One half of Doom along with Ron Simmons and, you know, had a run at the WWF in the Hogan era. Well loved and respected by many. And I found this to be just strange. This was announced during SmackDown. Sasha Banks is going to be the honorary starter for the Daytona 500. Okay. Yeah. It's one of those things where I think it's a Fox thing more than anything else. <laughs> I thought this was supposed to be related to Butch Reed in some way. Sorry. The, the transition oh, I'm sorry. I was me. moving on. Yeah, no, I didn't have. I'm sorry. I didn't have much else to say. I was just. Uh, <laughs> I, was, I was like, it's like Butch Reed's dead and God damn it. Now Sasha Banks is the starter at the race. It's like, what is that? <laughs> Sorry, I know that I should have had a more of a stop between those two stories. Um, yeah, anyway, I thought that was interesting for her, so good for her, I guess. I mean, yeah, it, it probably is a Fox thing, I'm guessing. Is that yeah. is that where it's going to be broadcast is on Fox? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we talked about Edge's stuff already, so just a few other post-Rumble uh, Raw thoughts here. Um, Riddle and Lashley continued their feud. Match was tossed out. Um, Lashley was a madman and couldn't be stopped after he put the Phil Nelson on Riddle. Even MVP couldn't stop him. Although, like, he acted concerned, but then he kind of smiled as he was walking away. So I don't, you know, I don't think he was too upset about it. Gotcha. But I, that, you know, those two, I guess maybe that might be WrestleMania. Hell, I don't know. Um, yeah, more Edge stuff there. Um, Xavier Woods beat Mustafa Ali. And I don't know if you saw on Raw Talk, he's now calling for reckoning. <laughs> he wants reckoning of retribution. He's fought all the rest of them. Now he wants Mia Yim, apparently. Nice. So. Uh, Adam Pierce, I think, just tweeted like, "We're looking into it." But I don't <laughs> expect it to see to happen. Um, coming off his Royal Rumble appearance, Bad Bunny was on Miz TV. Yeah, it was it was Mid Miz TV with Bad Bunny. Do you think Do you think Bad Bunny's going to become a wrestler? Is this Is this moving towards that, or is this just moving towards like some stunt? I event? I'm halfway expecting a Damian Priest and Bad Bunny against Miz and Morrison tag team match. I could see that. Also, big though, spot for Priest, you know, good, good, good push for Priest, and you know, yeah, they get to have their moment where Bad Bunny jumps off the top rope or something. So, all right, yeah, but I don't. I mean, yeah, he's apparently he's around. Like that's what all the reports are. Like he's been at the Performance Center. He, okay. you know, this is at least probably going to be you know hanging around, not being on TV every week, but you know, getting ready for probably doing to do something at WrestleMania. And can I also just take a moment here and do the whole, like, can we stop shaming on both sides? Like, all the people that don't know who Bad Bunny is and said who, yeah, 
don't need to be screamed at by all you people out there that are it's this funny like crowd that's developed in the wrestling world with social media especially where it's like they're mad because you've embarrassed them in front of their more popular friends is what i always kind of feel like is going on with that so it's like all you guys are making us look bad when you say you don't know who bad bunny is <laughs> like just google it and it's like you listen like people are allowed to not know or want to google and somebody you know it's yeah. okay to like, not know it was just funny because the super bowl brought the same thing up it was all that okay. same like if you don't know who the weekend is that's your fault you know it's like okay I can, you know <laughs> maybe we can just all stop yelling at each other from both sides of that <laughs> but just a lot of that going on but i always think it's funny it's like the cardi b thing it's like when everybody was actually more mad because yeah, you are Thanks a lot, wrestling fans. Now Cardi B thinks we're stupid. Like, kind of a situation here. With like, you know, stop, stop embarrassing us in front of our more famous friends. Yeah, I can see what you're saying. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, the Hurt Business continues to have some more dissension. Uh, they beat Lucha House Party in a tag title match, but eh, things were on shaky ground. Uh, triple Threat Tag Team Women's Match. Good God, this was not good. Um, Oscar and Charlotte versus Dana and Mandy versus Naomi and Lana. And you're like, oh, well, as long as Naomi and Lana didn't win, right? Naomi and Lana won. So that, <laughs> Lana is just... I wondered why we had revived that storyline all of a sudden with the Rumble. Like they, they acted like they never stopped when she was on Raw <laughs> this week. And they were talking about her being this underdog and all these yeah. like trials and tribulations. She's like, y'all, I thought we'd moved on from this. Like, that's still, she, that's still her thing? Okay. Um, Ric Flair and Lazy distracted Charlotte, so that stuff continues. I've liked that with you know, Lacey wearing Rick's robes and yeah, that apparently annoying Charlotte because only she's allowed to wear her dad's robes and <laughs> have his love and affection. A uh, Carlito vignette video, which I'd like, I'd like, you know, it's nice to, hey, for all of you that don't know. Oh, okay. Is. Uh, and then he and Jeff Hardy beat Elias and Jackson Riker. So I don't know what the future holds for Carlito, but, you know, it was fun. I tend, I tend to not like, you know, the, the old guys coming back, teaming with old guys to beat up on young guys. But when Jackson Riker's involved, go ahead. Take it. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, he can lose. Um, Alexa Bliss did all her blissy stuff and beat Nikki Cross. Uh, I just feel bad for Nikki Cross. I just, yeah. It seemed like he was going to really get like a something out of the Alexa Bliss. Like, oh, wow, this mm-hmm. it really worked. And she's come a long way in all honesty. And like her character's really kind of sharpened yeah. and found a nice groove and all this stuff and she's got new entrance music she was cutting all these really good promos before the rumble that were only appearing on the fucking website for some reason <laughs> uh and then she had to go out there and do the fucking alexa bliss halloween house crap mm-hmm. and lost fairly clean like you know, they never really got a great blow off because alexa just kind of went crazy and it was yeah you know, Nikki had a few like trying to appeal to her deals but they then all of a sudden she was involved with Randy, and so you can't right. be involved yeah, exactly. with Nikki anymore. So anyway, I, I just I like Nikki Cross a great deal, and it doesn't look like things are going to go well for her. No, and I heard someone else, I can't remember who it was, I was listening to somebody talk about wrestling, and they had pointed out, they were like, wouldn't it have been better if she was this character that like oh, Alexa is now? Like, <laughs> yeah, obviously. Like, <laughs> like, she knows how to do crazy so well. Like, uh, But then they couldn't sell it to perverts. Oh, I'm sorry, did I say that out loud? Um, on to dynamite. Well, hold the phone, folks. This isn't just any dynamite. It's Beach Break. That's right. I yeah made sure and wrote it this time so that I didn't call it everything <laughs> besides Beach Break because that it's kind of a weird name if you think about it. Um, you don't you don't just take a beach break every now and again, Tony? <laughs> ah, let me go take a beach break. No, I don't live in fucking Jacksonville <laughs> with these people who are posting pictures of themselves at the beach every fucking oh, day on God. their social media platforms. Uh, yeah. 
So the match started with a fun tag team battle royal. I, I love a battle royal. Um, I didn't. I want these tag team battle royals, but when one's gone, you're both gone. See, I like that. That it's not that because then okay, you have that like underdog right. mentality of like there's still you know a chance. That's true. No, you're right. There's still a chance. I just feel like it would add to more of like the drama of like saving your partner or like teaming up with your partner. And yeah, I could see that. I don't know, but you're right. You're right. And in this case, it they were both the both the winners were you know left standing, so it's not like it was a half and half deal. MJF and Jericho won. Yeah, kind of half expected it. Whatever, it's fine. No, I like the storyline though, continuing with him and Sammy and and all of that. Oh yeah, throughout all yeah, of it. So. Oh yeah, no yeah, it it makes sense definitely. Uh, we get a fucking vignette for Jade Cargill, Just like she Jade. hasn't been on television. Just Jade. What? The, I don't know if you noticed, but that last name oh, seems sorry. to have disapeared. It's just oh. Jade, apparently. Oh, you're right. Now Sean pointed this right. out, and then when I watched, I was like, "No, that's right. <laughs> they don't mention right. Cargill at it all." Is, there is only Jade now. Um, yeah, getting very, very McMahonish over here with this uh, decisions being made. And it was silent. It was a silent. Like it was literally like the kind of thing you would air a month before she showed up on TV. <laughs> it's, the problem is that she's been on TV. Yeah. And you've already, you know. Well, she just showed up, like, out of nowhere and was well, like, yeah, my name's Jade Cargill, and I thought <laughs> her name was Jake Carville. I know. No, that's the, I think that's one of the biggest problems with this character in general is how she appeared. Yeah. Because she's not from another company. I know she's did this and that. She's an and Instagram she a, famous person, so it, we're supposed to you know. You know what I mean? Like, how famous are you? Because I, <laughs> you know, again, back to the musical act thing, don't I don't you, know who the hell she was. Don't you Don't you follow the cosplay, like, tr- you know, trending cosplay posts? <laughs> I don't, actually. I, maybe I should, though, now that you mentioned it. Anyway, so whatever. I just thought it was weird. Like, as if she isn't about to have her big tag team match here coming yeah. up soon. I mean, it, you know, it's another way for them to, you know, put some focus on a person without having to, like, have them come out on stage. But, yeah. Well, which is probably good. It just, it all, anytime that I see one of these, like, random vignette things, I just, I think back to, like, WWE versus SmackDown, like, Raw versus SmackDown, like, 2010, like, GM mode, where you can, like, you can keep yeah. a guy's momentum going by just having a video about him on the show. That's true. You're right. No. No, I love that shit. Um... It was the, your weekly Darby and Sting father son hang out in the ring segment. <laughs> this is getting ridiculous with these guys. I know. <laughs> I told you three weeks ago it was getting ridiculous. Uh, Shivani calls Darby and Sting to the ring. Yeah. Sting tuffles Darby's hair. Well, no, he didn't actually do that, but I wish he would have. Um, Tony asked Darby about his upcoming match with Joey Janela. And I'm with Taz on this one. <laughs> and I saw even Joey, like, AEW <laughs> produced some, like, promo of him talking about, like, why he should get a title shot. Because yeah. it's like, hang on, what? Joey Janela's getting a TNT title match next week. <laughs> okay. Because yeah. Taz interrupts and he moans about that very thing and about how they're not allowed in the building anymore. Well, that's what, like, why, why would you also send a camera out there? Yeah, that's why I texted you. I was like, I'm not allowed in the okay. building, but I'm allowed to have this live microphone and a cameraman <laughs> to, to watch in case I have something to yeah. say. It's like all those people talking about their voices being silenced as they're on television every 15 minutes <laughs> talking about their voices being silenced. Um, yeah, so Taz and Ricky say they'll be watching and good luck. You know, just the... Again, we've had this segment mm-hmm. for weeks now. I'm not saying Ricky Starks doesn't do a good job. You know, I'm not saying Taz isn't doing a good job. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying Hook still stands over there on the side, and I wonder who the fuck is that, and why is he a part of this stuff? Like, <laughs> He's found a way to like, cover his face more and more each week with various I know. items. I, right, because what is he, 14? Is that They're probably trying to hide that or something. I'm uh, not sure. Anyways, 
a uh, solid matchup. Britt Baker got the win over Thunder Rosa. Um, obviously, that was you know maybe one of the better promoted matches on this entire card. Is that oh yeah, anticipated for a long time. Uh, both ladies came away looking very good in this matchup, and uh, you know only good things in their future. Agreed. Yeah, no, I liked it. It was fun. It was a good good match. I didn't have any any complaints this week. No, I mean, no, no. I mean, just you know, solid stuff. And I, I didn't mind Britt getting the win either. You know, just let let her continue to have her cocky ways and <laughs> Thunder Rosa fight from the bottom. Um, Adam Page and Matt Hardy teamed up for reasons and beat Chaos Project. And Matt's trying to get Page to sign with him. You know, I don't know. It is what it is. Yeah, we all we could have avoided all this, and he could have just hugged John Silver two weeks ago and joined the Dark Order, and we'd be having <laughs> fun by now with. All kinds of wonderful segments, but we're delaying the inevitable for some reason. No. no. Whatever. Go ahead. It's going to happen. Uh, and then, big news. Uh, I'm glad I went back and re-listened to the beginning of this because I thought they said November. And I was like, why the fuck are we promoting a women's tournament that's going to happen in November <laughs> of this year? I don't know where I got November, but this month, February, apparently, yeah. we're going to have matches in America and Japan. Still haven't been real clear about how that's working. Um, I know Hikaru Shida is in Japan, uh, apparently working to help produce these matches. Oh, okay. He had tweeted some some pictures from being over there and whatnot. I think that's kind of weird. I know Kayfabe doesn't exist. Anyways, so uh, I have them as Team Japan and Team USA. That's not exactly, it's not a team, but yeah. um, the announcements. So on the J- Japanese side of things, we have Aja Kong, Yuka Sakazaki, our genie friend from months ago in Dynamite, um, Vinny, Emi Sakura, Ryo Mizunami, Mei Segura, uh, Rin Kadukura, Maki Aito, which is quickly becoming the internet's favorite. And on the USA side of things, Serena Deeb, Ryo, Britt Baker, Tai Conti, Thunder Rosa, Nyla Rose, Anna Jay, and legit Layla Hirsch. Dude, Rio versus Layla Hirsch for the finals on the American side. And the, <laughs> they're doing as small as possible. Put, they already put Layla in a first round match with like uh I think it was Thunder Rosa or somebody. I was like, well damn okay. it. Like why do they have to fight in the first round? Uh so yeah, a few thing a few thoughts on this. I just think it's weird that like we're gonna bring Riho back over here now finally, so we can have this tournament where there's a whole side of the bracket that's taking place in Japan. Yeah. We, where she like, had been, like yeah. where she's just coming from. Like I just thought that was kind of <laughs> interesting. Um no big swole. Which yeah, I, I don't know where I saw, she's she's kind of like disappeared and since the like well, yeah, well, she wasn't really happy. She was kind of salty about it on Twitter. You could tell. Okay. Uh, the only thing I'm, I'm thinking is that this tournament's going to take up a lot of time, mm-hmm. so maybe she gets a chance to feud with Hikaru Shida over the midst of this tournament, or you know, yeah, like I see that because there's also no Red Velvet, which I'm like is another person that you're trying to like. Mm-hmm. Promote and so I well, Red Velvet I mean, just being prepared to take the pinfall for Cody. I mean, that's all that's happening. <laughs> Ooh, that's true. Uh, I mean, you know, I can't necessarily take anybody out of this though either. So I mean, it's, I'm excited to see. Uh, are you familiar with Miss Maki Ito at all? No, the Japanese. No idea. Oh, look her up on Twitter. She's like she posts things like she's always flipping the camera off and calling everybody motherfuckers. And okay. Like, Today I learned in English golden shower and like she's always <laughs> she's very kind of just like she's rebellious and inappropriate and like her character it's, okay you know, pretty, she's she's quite unique i think cody even mentioned her as like his favorite or something so nice uh yeah be cool to see how this goes and uh only good things can happen right well 
Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Or Rio could win the whole thing. I guess we'll just have to deal with that. Um, Inner Circle, talking about the Battle Royal backstage. Sammy asks why they're always the collateral damage and walks out, and Jericho kind of goes out after him to just, you know, talk. Mm-hmm. And then that son of a bitch, MJF again, taking an opportunity to, you know, talk to the rest of the group and has Wardlow close the door. And so, again, we're yeah. watching MJF. I just, if Santana and Ortiz get manipulated by another <laughs> douchebag, I'm going to be pissed. Like, I'm si- I'm done with, like, why would MJF, why would any of them buy any of this shit that he's trying yeah. to, like, you know, drive this wedge and he's probably, you know, he's going to try to, like, make Sammy look like the bad guy. Like, why? Why? What has he done? Because, I don't know, man. He's not. He's not uh, getting along. I'm just not loving it. I'm. I'm. I'm kind of getting over this. I don't know. It, it needs to come to a resolution because I'm just. I thought. I thought this was. This was moving ahead at a, a very quick pace. I was just like, oh man, there. He's having this conversation. We're closing the door. Well, but we've right. done this a couple. We've done this for a while though. He did this a couple weeks ago with Hager, you know, and taking him aside and talking about. I don't know. It's just why anybody would listen to anything MJF says. Um, we had a wedding. I don't think it was a particularly good wedding or a good segment in a lot. It was just very slow. It yeah. was all very like everything just kind of felt like there was this delay to the next thing happening and then to the next thing happening. And I just, I don't know if it was like kind of the maybe poorly directed or like produced. It was just, it, it felt like it dragged. Yeah, it did. And it was, it was just felt like we were giving, Mr. Mitchell too much free reign. Like, yeah, he was a little bit too his, into himself. His stuff, and he always yeah. kind of comes off that way every time I see him now. Like it's like if it's not 2005 to 2007, I'm not interested in James Mitchell. Um, but yeah, I wasn't second, a big fan it's of the his second wrestling wedding he's officiated in like the last month. Also, but it's it's one of those things. I was curious how you th- thought of the show because I heard from Sean and he fucking loved this. He loved every minute of it. And all well, the little a, little like references to the WWE version of it, and the, right. with the Miro character being el- yeah. el- an element of that, and I was like, I got the nods to it, and I enjoyed the little jokes. But like you said, I just thought it was too drawn out. And then like the end of it, I enjoyed what came of the end of it. Right. But it just it took a long time to get there, and it, and it kept like I kept waiting for more, well, more something, something to happen. Well, that's what I was like too. Like I, I found like. You know, when things were happening, I found it all to be entertaining. I just felt like, from a timing standpoint, they just could have eliminated a lot of downtime. I felt like, just, yeah, because then they and then they didn't like really shoot it very well at the end when Orange is coming out of the cake because they kind of botched the face into the cake thing again after we already had to have watch Luther a couple weeks ago force his own face into the cake when the Dark Order pushed him into it, and then this week like. Didn't Penelope like get tossed into the cake or something? Yeah, yeah, she went yeah, she in the cake. But it was—I yeah, thought she did was, a good job. Like she was covered when she came out. Yeah, I don't remember if it was the way it was directed or the way it was shot or something like that. I just remember it, it seeming odd and it feeling like there was a cut or something, and then all of a sudden she had cake on her face. Like, gotcha. Was, I don't know. And then like, why didn't Chuck just do this three weeks ago? Well, because I—that's the only thing that I feel like that I didn't like about it being a Chuck, like being so much of it. Because right. I don't feel like they ever really took advantage of actually showing us like him really getting any embarrassment from being the butler, like other than being talked down to every once in a while, but like not even that right. aggressively. Well, they had the 
Well, they had the thing where like he made him tell Orange that Miro was his best friend or whatever. Well, yeah, but that's that's goofy and and stuff. But like, well, but Orange was sad about it. So. Well, yeah, but I wanted more like menial tasks, like go, like you know, take my dry cleaning over to the thing. Like, well, give us a video did, of him doing was, that kind of there shit. There was some of that. There was some of that. Like they. It was just, more referred to than seen. Yeah, I guess, I guess it is. I just felt like it was untapped potential there, but right. whatever. They're moving well, forward with the story, I guess. Yeah. So yeah, no, it'll be interesting. But yeah, no. Overall, it was a, uh, you know, the segment ha- had fun moments. I, and, I really uh, enjoyed Miro beating up the empty box. Right. Like that was fun. Yeah, but that was another <laughs> one of those things where again it was like this weird like, what are we doing? Like I felt like there was a really long delay in that whole thing. Yeah. Where it was like. They were off mic, and Miro was like, "There was a lot of off mic well, talking." That's what he is, yeah, because like he was like, "Hold on, hold on, you know what yeah. is that?" And then yeah. like took the mic away, and then like <laughs> yeah, it was like another like minute before he actually attacked it. It was like he should have <laughs> just said, "What is that?" And then r- Chuck, you know, ran straight at it instead of exactly whatever. But yeah, no, it was that was fine, and there was a little bit of awkwardness where it was like they didn't do a good job of the camera actually showing you or letting you see Chuck do anything like with the the feet. Mm-hmm. Of Miro, like I caught it for a split second, but I don't know, like if people were, you know, watching, if, unless you were like really watching close, if you would have noticed. Right. Absolutely. Um, Archer beat Eddie Kingston. I, I love Eddie Kingston, but he can't go on like this. Like I mean, it just <laughs> and have the mouth that he has. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. not, it's not a combination for success, in my opinion. What happened after I, this match? I don't know stuff. Uh. There was a FTR and Tully segment where they pissed and moaned about okay. not being allowed about a royal. I was curious. There's like a continuation for like Archer to go anywhere after this at this point, but well, more on that later. Um, kind of. So yeah, we have the six man tag main event: Omega, Gallows, and Anderson beating Mox, Pac, and Phoenix. Yeah. Um, Archer would come out and run the Good Brothers off during the post match beatdown. Ah, uh, that's right. Yeah. Forgot about yeah. that. Moxley would make a move towards Omega, who was down, but was attacked by a hooded man who revealed himself to be the briefcase holder himself, one Kenta of New Japan Pro Wrestling. Yeah. So, awesome moment there. Dude, like, yeah, that was amazing. That no, was not yeah, at so. all anything that I expected. That was one of those. I was really and glad that I didn't have it spoiled for me. I was able to watch a, it in time. That's going to be at New Beginnings, right? I think that match is going to be at New Beginning. One of the New Beginning shows, probably. Yeah. So, I think in L.A. I don't know if they're going to do it in America or not. So Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the idea is. But, I mean, probably in America because Kenta came over here. There's no reason that you would have John, like, go back and have to wait two weeks. Well, and Kenta really, especially at the end of 2020, has basically been a member of the... Uh, yeah, no, he's been doing stuff at the U.S. dojo the whole time. Yeah, the New Japan Strong or whatever it's called. Like He's been a major part of that show, yeah. so, defending his briefcase and stuff like that. Um, after the show on social, Kenny and Kenta were caught up to. And uh, first of all, Kenny or Kenta telling Kenny, you know, I don't fucking like you was pretty awesome. Like, I'm not. Yeah. You know, this isn't this isn't a partnership. Um, but they challenged Mox and Archer to a lights out tag match. So. Be interesting to see that when that gets all pulled mm-hmm. together. Maybe that'll be on pay per view. Who knows? Yeah, I was curious. I, I don't know what what that means. The I mean, the lights <laughs> out match. What what did what did it mean last time? Because they've already done one lights out match, didn't they? It was wasn't that was that Kenny and 
Mox and the single oh, match. Oh yeah, that's right. Okay, okay, that's that's yeah. that level of a match. Right. Unsanctioned. It's yeah, unsanctioned, unsanctioned, so yeah. it also won't count against anyone's record. Or yeah, whatever, that's right. Which is kind of fine, I guess. Um, over on the yellow and black brand, the Dusty Classics continue in varying levels of placement as the men and women's like just like the NCAA. Like we can't start our tournaments at the same time, so they have to be in like weird stages of one another, where one's in the semifinals, the other one's in the quarterfinals, and well, it's just like them. real life. the The high school girls right thing starts like a week and a half before the boys thing yes. does. I know. So then you're like getting sent to a sectional game. You're like, whose sectional is this? Is this men or women? I don't know. Um, Dusty Classic semifinals on the women's side because there were only half as many teams. Uh, Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez beat. Caden Carter and Casey Catna COVID in a tag team match. Gotcha. Uh, yeah, I, I, I watched. I, I watched all the between things on NXT. I, I skipped all the matches and I watched all like the the any interview segment right. or backstage talk or like that sort of thing. I just I just skipped through it real quick. All right. Okay. Um, Austin Theory beat Leon Ruff. Uh, Theory attacked Ruff post match. Dexter Lewis would make the save. Uh, Leggett. I really loved this. Uh, vignette legato del fantasma um, just kind of a nice like reminder about the group showing mm-hmm. their success recently and uh you know santos escobar talking about raul gonzalez and, jo- and jo- joaquin wild um how they're going to beat lucha house party in the dusty classic and then he talks about his match with kurt stallion i just thought it was a if you know they accomplished a lot and yeah. it was also a nice way to pump them up in ahead of what was to come later in the night as far as you know the direction of Mr. Escobar for sure. Yeah, but of um, course, Jade Cargill gets a video and it's not good enough. But we, when Phantasma gets well, listen, a video, now it's okay. What? You know what? Because he cut a promo the whole time and he <laughs> talked about stuff. Then he, no, you know, know joking. it had a point. Um, talking about a wild vignette promo thing, the Zia Lee, like Destiny Warriors video game open <laughs> style yeah. thing where. Yeah, what's this name? What's the name of this lady that she's with now? Tia Lynn. I don't even remember now. But yeah, like they went into like the the whole like origin story of her with right. like the cartoon or whatever. I mean, it was cool. It was different. You know, mm-hmm. it's uh, you know, I I I can't say that it wasn't at least interesting. So. Do you know? Is this like an actual like wrestler that has been around before this, or is this some? I haven't seen much about it. Yeah, I don't know if anyone knows at this point or okay. who this could be. So, yeah, hard to say at this point. Um, we talked about Mr. Edge. Dust Classic quarterfinals, Legato Del Fantasma did, in fact, beat Lucha House Party, and they'll fight MSK in the semifinals. So that'll mm-hmm. be a really good match. Oh, yeah. Before that, uh, yeah, we talked about Edge. Um, Tony Storm and Jesse Kamaya had a match. EO and Mercedes messed it up. So looking forward to that triple threat match at TakeOver. Uh, another really great segment. Again, I love promoting a title match and then on the show, giving both, you know, persons in the match a chance to cut a promo and yeah. kind of on things up. Kurt Stallion stuff. I thought was, was, you know, really effective as well. Uh, talking about winning on the, on the 205th episode of 205 live, this opportunity. Mm-hmm. And then obviously the cruiserweight champion was across the ocean. So yeah, you know, that hit, had a lot to wait on. Um, again, I don't know. You said you watched. Did you watch this one? You're talking, yeah, you know, you watched I did it. watch this one because you had sent that text about um, this being, you know, what a what NXT would have done if Adam Page would have signed with him. Yeah. And at one point, I could see that. On the other hand, I can also see it as just a complete copy and paste. Like his fucking shirt yeah. 
is straight off of Adam Page's like outfit like tree like. Okay. I was well, just like, no, but I was looking at like the just like the entire look. Everything was exactly like like you were just you said that, and I was just like, no, they're just copying Adam Page's character and making their own. Yeah, I mean, you could except say, for but, Texas instead of Virginia. It's it's a little unfair though, like two guys that are cowboys. Now, I mean, I know, like, oh, but he's the cowboy. Yeah. But this is what Kurt Stallion's been doing, you know, arguably yeah, for probably. almost as long as Adam Page was doing it yeah. beforehand. Yeah, I mean, you're just, probably right. It's a it's a cowboy gimmick, and I mean, you're right. No, there are a lot of similarities. I'm not saying that like <laughs> they don't, you know, they certainly don't come across they're like as being, identical. Yeah, no, you're not wrong, but I just don't know that. Yeah, you know, I don't know how intentional that is. I just think that this is their interpretation of any cowboy character that they would have had in their, you know, in their midst. Maybe I don't know that they're. I can't imagine anybody's watching Adam Page and taking notes and then. I don't think you understand how petty Triple H is, Tony. (laughs) (laughs) I don't. Oh, who cares about that Adam Page guy, anyways? Right. Uh, Speaking of great news and great cowboy gimmicks, Cameron Grimes to the moon is going to be returning next week. Yeah. What? So is Cameron Grimes an Adam Page ripoff too? No, Cameron Grimes. He got the Jade treatment this week. He just got a video. (laughs) Well, because he. Well, because he just disappeared after Dexter Loomis terrorized him for a couple months. They were like, they didn't have anything for him. I ain't scared no more. I'm coming back. <laughs> just don't make me fight Dexter Loomis. Uh, the Cruiserweight title match was out, you know, solid stuff there. Kurt Stallion, Santos Escobar. Um, Legato Del Fantasma also just has a good presentation. I like the entrance. I, you know, it's nice. I don't know. I'm just, I like the whole package. Uh, Vic Joseph brings up Jordan Devlin, who they're kind of, scarce with their mentioning that there's another cruiserweight champion in NXT yeah. UK that just can't come to this country. Uh, so that's interesting. Then we had Scarlett Bordeaux watching from the rafters. And, uh, you know, this goes back to last week when I literally was like, he found a tarot card. I don't really fucking know why. And I said, I said the only <laughs> thing I was like, I mean, killer cross, but I didn't expect yeah. that, that, you know, but Hey, here we are. Santos wins a solid match. Uh, Escobar had kind of been dismissive of Scarlett. And uh, Cross, Killer Cross, just carrying Cross, just comes out post-match and comes right to the ring and just annihilates Gonzalez and Wild. Uh, good stare down between him and Santos Escobar. I just felt like this was one of those moments, like, you don't see many of these where, like, I immediately consider Santos Escobar, like, on the next level in NXT now. Nice. Like, on a top guy level, at least yeah. within NXT, you know, where, like, he's somebody that could challenge for the NXT championship now or could move on to a program with... Adam Cole or somebody, and it wouldn't feel, you know, these guys could feud with the Undisputed Era. And I, f- I feel like that just within a couple of weeks, that, yeah, you know, a lot through the, the help of Karrion Cross and stuff like, has just really elevated the stock of this group altogether, and especially nice. Santos Escobar, who I don't see any reason why he couldn't be, you know, the new, you know, and like the next kind of an Andrade, you know, as far as kind of mm-hmm. a Mexican star of the NXT brand. So, uh, yeah, good stuff. Cross cuts a promo. Says we have a problem. He's going to give him the gift of time, so that's not going to happen any, you know, immediately. I guess. Did Andrade get fired? Who? Andrade? No, he's just on that weird like. We're just not Alistair, using you. Yeah, yeah. Alistair okay. Black, Angel Garza, Andrade, and there's also like, is it COVID? Because no one knows because they yeah. they've had an outbreak. They still haven't done like a full announcement on like how severe it was. Who all's been affected? They've just quietly had about a fraction of their roster available yeah, for both shows sense. for the last 
like two weeks and they just haven't said why. So anyways, <laughs> I don't know. All right. Yeah. So, uh, main event, Adam Cole and Roderick Strong actually lost. When did Tommaso the, Ciampa. when, when did the, uh, Johnny Gargano segment happen? I, did I miss past Gargano's? Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. I mean, I don't I remember missed. exactly what happened. I just, I just remember enjoying it. Like, I just thought it was really enjoyable and he was funny. Like his, yeah, you're right. his delivery Damn was really it. good. Yeah, I can't remember now what it was. It wasn't like something probably probably something to do with Kushida, I would imagine. Well, he like someone was coming out for an entrance at one point and he pops out from behind him, which just was a hilarious, like gifable <laughs> moment. But then yeah, yeah then there was a, a promo later. Yeah, no, sorry about that. That's no, right. I don't uh I tell you. I should have I should start taking up- notes when I watch these things instead of just watching them. You bring up one thing I don't have notes on. Um <laughs> Yeah, the main event on NXT, Dusty Classic quarterfinals. Tommaso Ciampa and Timothy Thatcher get the win over Adam Cole and Roderick Strong. They will move on to the semifinals to fight the Grizzled Young Vets. So that'll be a that'll be a good match. Awesome match. I've liked again, I know I we complain about the random duos doing this every year, but I love Ciampa and Thatcher. Like I've just <laughs> I've loved the yeah. way that this team slowly came together. Like it went from being hatred to mm-hmm. being like kind of an odd respect situation where they just wanted to beat the hell out of each other because they liked to do it. And then after beating the shit out of each other in the fight pit and everything, they decided, you know, let's be a tag team. <laughs> and they still the fucking fight pit. Oh. They still kind of like, yeah, Thatcher two and O baby in the fight. pit. <laughs> um, so yeah, look, looking forward to that. Good stuff there. Um, we talked about edge. I don't talk about Dominic Mysterio. Cesaro beat Daniel Bryan again on SmackDown. Like I'm, I feel like now we're getting ready for a Daniel Bryan, like, I'm done. Like, I'm washed up. Yeah. Maybe I should just stop this thing. Okay. I, and someone's going to come out and be like, blah, blah, blah. you know, no, Daniel, you still have it. <laughs> I'm going to bring it out Drew of Gulak's you. going to come out and save him? Listen, if it was Drew Gulak and those guys got 20 minutes at WrestleMania, I would be super happy about that. <laughs> it's not going to happen. Uh, we'll still, you know, we'll have to see what happens with Edge. I, I don't know, but. They're definitely because it was also just like Cesaro beat him, and then Daniel Bryan was like broken in the corner, and Cesaro just like went over and gave him like a fist bump, and it almost felt like a pity kind of a situation. Hmm. Like, okay, I don't know. Interesting. But it was awesome for Cesaro. Daniel Bryan needs to cut his fingernails or something. Probably Cesaro like was bleeding from the back of his head, and it's just <laughs> you think Kevin Dunn's cuts are annoying. Wait till you're trying to watch him cut around someone's bleeding head, oh, and just gosh. how hard he'll work to keep the blood off television. Uh. Um. Fun Billy K segment this week. Bailey beat Ruby Riot. Billy was on commentary, being very dismissive about being kicked out of the Riot Squad, uh, telling Cole allegedly she was kicked out of the Riot Squad <laughs> and that she's still trying her best to help um, them win, and ultimately she, she, they lost. So, gotcha. Fun stuff there. Uh, Bianca Belair with her Big Show smile is uh, seen backstage. I'm just like, this is not Bianca Belair. Like, why am I not surprised that? <laughs> They were like, all right, Bianca, we like everything about you except for your personality and your character, which is one of the main reasons why you're so beloved by fans. Yeah. We just want you to go out there and be the aw gee golly shucks baby face that has a smile <laughs> on her face the whole time. Can you do that for us? Uh, Great. Somebody Thanks. has to. I mean, they can't let Edge I, do that, so. I just, you know, I don't know. It's like they're, I, I don't know. I just, I see who she was and what kind of made her you know popular yeah and now they're just like well you can't be cooler than sasha banks well they also had the same issue with sasha banks when they first brought her in they didn't they like they turned her you're face right. right away and they had her do this yep. stuff you're right exactly 
Exactly. So why, why can't somebody be like, hey, guys, why don't we just not fuck with her swagger and her charisma and her style and let her be Bianca? Nope. Nope. She's going to be big, smiley baby. Well, face. I think the idea is now you have her be this big, smiley baby face and then fucking Sasha can say or do something to upset her. And then she uh, becomes, yeah. you know, All fine. Right. Enough with the nice guy bullshit. I, you know, I'm, I'm coming at okay. you sort of a thing. I like that. All right. If, you know, that's giving them a lot of credit. We'll see if that happens. <laughs> uh, we, take, we take a look back at the main event. The two Hebners, Andre beating Hogan for the title, you know, whatever, uh, which took place at Market Square Arena in Indianapolis, Indiana. Okay. In 1988. Why did they Still show the, this? What's that? Why did they show this? Well, because it's the anniversary of it. And it's like one of the biggest oh, okay. angle. It's, you know, one of the most famous angles kind of in the history of wrestling. The live broadcast drew 15.2 rating. And that's 33 million viewers. Both are still records for American wrestling to this day. So Nice. I always hold that near and dear to my heart. Indianapolis, Indiana, home of the most, <laughs> most watched wrestling show in the history of, the world, of America. Nice. Uh, they then had Hogan and Jimmy Hart cut a promo. We won't talk about that. I can't believe they did it. Like They're so tone deaf. Uh, Big E defended his IC title against Sami Zayn and Apollo in an outstanding triple threat match. And Seth Rollins will be returning to SmackDown next Friday. All right. Yeah, Didn't realize so. that that was. I mean, I, I I don't know. I guess when he returned to the Rumble, it's just weird to now have a, an announcement that like next week, not not this week. Yeah. Well, you know, I don't know. It's not a terrible idea. I I kind of I kind of appreciate them promoting it. And you didn't probably want to have him butting heads with Edge. Exactly. You know, when you yeah. had you know Edge had his you know week on the town, <laughs> so. Mm-hmm. Now Rollins can kind of come in and, you know, I think that will be Rollins and Brian will be the match at WrestleMania. I mean, that would be fine with me, but I could totally end up see like, I could see Rollins coming back and going right back to Dominic Mysterio. No, no. <laughs> it ain't happening. Line. He's, in, he's in King Corbin hell. I'm not even talking about their segments anymore. They took up like two segments this week on SmackDown where I'm, no more of that. No, because Rollins is going to be the perfect like poker of the bear when it comes to Brian being down and out yeah. and being washed up and not what you used to be and get out of the way and let you know. Yeah. I just feel like that's perfect Rollins stuff. And another person on the MIA list, though, speaking of Rollins, who tweeted just one of those like cryptic "I miss wrestling" deals, mm. Buddy Murphy. Oh, like, yeah. Like, fuck. Talk about another person that like you feel like oh this is going to be really beneficial still, to their wait, future. You you haven't been telling me about the storyline. So is he still part of like is he still his her girlfriend or her, her boyfriend? The Mysterio family are just gone. It's just Ray and Dominic. We've <laughs> the daughter, the, the mom, and Buddy uh, are all MIA. Fuck. Maybe King Corbin has them in a dungeon. Maybe. We'll see. Yeah, glad we wasted all that time, though. Aren't we glad we went through all that Mysterio family shit, and now they're just off yep. TV? Goodness. All right, that's it. All right. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. That's right, Hulk. You can listen to the Golden Age of Grappling podcast any day of the week. But if you're looking for new episodes, you can check out our website, goldenagepodcast.com, or look for us on iTunes. New episodes releasing every... Oh, shut up, you fat boy and a little old... Friday, Saturday, Sunday comes again.